everyone. Welcome to another episode of Basement Talk. I am your host, Ed Birdsell, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Brady and Brett Mayer. Guys, what's going on? How you doing, guys? Thank you for coming back for episode two. Uh, let's get it started. Brett, how are you feeling? How we doing? How we doing? We're in for another episode. I'm surprised we made it this far, guys. We made it to episode two and no one has blocked us yet. That's a good sign. And as always, our producer, Matt Birdsell. Matt, what's going on? Nothing much. Happy to be back. So, shall we? You didn't get fired. No. That's great news. And of course, we have our first guest on Basement Talk. This man hails from Brooklyn, New York. He stands 6'5", weighs 327 pounds. Jared Gabla-Gould, Jared Faggione, what's going on? How you doing? Honored to be a guest. Let's make it a good one. He will, be, he will be on for a game we'll be playing later on in the show, so definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, so what do we got today? We got uh, AFC playoff discussion. We'll be talking about the NFC later in the week on episode three, so make sure you stay tuned for that. We talk about some Black Monday, some coaching changes, some hirings, some firings. We'll be talking about all of them in a little while. Some college football playoff review, and boy, there is a lot to talk about with the college football playoff. And of course, the most controversial thing possibly of the weekend, video assistant referee. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later on. And boy, do I have something to say about that. But first, a new segment. We love new segments. One quick question, gentlemen. I'm excited. I have no idea what's about to happen. No idea what you're about to say. You Good. guys will enjoy this. That's for Good. sure. Good. We're gonna put on our thinking caps here. As you know, we are closing in on a new decade, 2020. Happy New Year to everybody. Be safe. Be responsible. Don't do anything fucking stupid. My quick question: What is the best sports moment of the decade? Personally, or like, are we supposed to go in terms of all sports moments? I'm just saying, what is the best sports moment of the decade? Like some that I had that I had thought of in my head. Some I'll just rattle some off. American Pharaoh winning the Triple Crown in 2013, okay. the first horse in 37 years to do it. Loyola Chicago, their run to the Final Four and the 2018 NCAA tournament. Okay. Sister Jean, great woman. Uh, president Trump becoming the first sitting president to attend a UFC event in 2019. Regard, regard, regardless of what you think, what you, your political affiliations no, are, that is, that's still a big deal. That it's a very, very big deal. Uh, Leicester City winning the Premier League in 2016. Uh, Manchester City winning the Premier League in 2013 after two stoppage time goals from Eddie Ndjeko and Sergio Aguero. Don't take all the good ones, Matt. Come on. I'm just rattling some off. The Cubs winning the World Series for the first time in 108 years. Uh, the kick six in the Iron Bowl in 2013. Those were some that I had riled off. I want to hear what you guys got to say before. Before I give you mine, unless you would like me to tell you mine first. I'll go first. I have a good idea what mine is. Go ahead. I'm going to say the Boston Red Sox Ah. 2013 World Series. After the Boston bombing, David Ortiz comes out, gives the whole this is our fucking city speech. I think that was a beautiful moment for the city, regardless of your affiliation to the teams. Okay, I didn't know where you are going with that. All right, that's fair. Wow, I really – I'm thinking, man. Ed, why don't you go first? I can tell tell you. I can tell you mine. This is a hard question. I can tell you mine. Oh, you want you want to go, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. I would love to. This could be on a personal note. Uh, the twenty twelve Champions League I knew, final. I knew it was coming. Didier Drogba in the penalty shootout, beating the big dogs in Bayern Munich. Simple. All right, you know what? I, I got one from basketball. The Cavaliers Warriors game seven. Oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah. With okay. Kyrie hitting the shot and LeBron's block. That was yeah. probably the greatest basketball game I've ever watched. That was the chase down block off the backboard, right? Yes. Yeah. That you see once a month. Yeah. yeah, you really did see that about once a month. That was the greatest basketball game I've ever seen. Yeah, I think I would agree on that. I remember watching that in a basement with like 10 dudes and we were just going crazy. Yeah. You really can't beat game seven and that that would be the one for me. So, I think of other sports though. I, I know mine. Mine was relatively when I put stacked everything up against each other. This was the one that for me 
was the best one, and that was Tiger Woods winning the Masters in earlier this season. Uh, first, his first major championship in eleven years since two thousand and eight, when he won it at South Course at Torrey Pines at the U.S. Open. Uh, the signs of a comeback for him, they were there when he won the Tour Championship at Liberty National, right in our backyard. Um, and he had just he had a renaissance year, winning the Masters captaining the U.S. team in the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. And there's no reason to think that Tiger Woods, given the up and downs that he's had over the course of his life, really, just being in the public eye as he's been since he was 18, 19 years old, even younger than that, and he's still at this level competing, winning majors, and he's only got three more until he's tied with Jack Nicklaus for the most majors with 18. So for me, it's it's not close. I mean, the most unbelievable sports story of the year is has to be Tiger, because oh, no, nobody because yeah. nobody thought there was a chance that he would be able to compete with guys like Dustin Johnson, guys like Brooks Kepka, guys like Jordan Spieth, uh, Justin Thomas. These big hitters, these big young guys that have just come onto the scene, have roared onto the scene, and have taken over the golf world. And then you remember, oh wait, they all looked at the Tiger. Tiger was doing that before any of them. I like that concept and. So for for me, it, it's it's got to be Tiger. I mean, I, I look at the other two that was that the other one that was close for me was the kick six in the Iron Ball, J- just oh. just because the oh, way going to win the football game. Yeah, Chris, that was crazy. Chris Davis returning that punt with nothing left on the clock. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. That's in terms of, those, of it, that's just one of those moments where you remember where you were. Yeah, when you watched yep. it, I remember exactly where I was. Yep, I do too. When you have moments like that, like those are the ones that really stick with you. Yeah. And that's certainly one of them. Another yeah. one thing in the basketball, too, was Kawhi's game winner in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals against the yep. Sixers. Yeah, that, over that and double beat. bounce. Everyone's sitting around watching that. Oh, and the time, I know it's not a sports moment, but just related to that, when they did the Kawhi tribute and they had the footpath tracked out in the court and this whole shot and the sick. whole sound bite and stuff, that gave me chills. That was yeah. some crazy shit. I'm surprised no one saw, no one has said the Cubs winning the World Series. I'm, I'm well. You said, not, you said not, that. So no, I, I mean I, I'm I'm just, I'm just shocked that nobody has. I definitely would agree with taken that, that one and has what was said there? that, there was that a was curse one. of Billy Goat and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, 107 years, 108, 108 years, 3-1. Yeah, no, I mean that series. was that was amazing. I got another one. Madison Bumgarner against the Royals, Game Seven. Mm, when he yeah, absolutely he went to town, and he pitched seven innings in a row and Gem. absolutely dominated them. The Mets losing the World Series. That that's a that's a pretty good one. Uh, I appreciate that one. I can't agree. That. Um, Villanova UNC national yeah. championship game. Oh, the yeah. game winner. Jenkins three yes. pointer. Yes. Uh, Patriots twenty eight to three. The oh. comeback. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's another good one. That was a good one. I'm trying to think of those. Have we have we not covered any sports? Um, we have golf, baseball, basketball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess you could do um, John Isner. The five-hour uh, marathon match at Wimbledon. Oh. If you want to put, yes. ten- want to put tennis in there. Who do you go up against again? Um, wasn't it Novak? No, no. It, wasn't, it wasn't Novak. It wasn't Novak. Hold on. I would so. say, while you're looking this up for hockey, Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals just carrying the cup around oh, across the whole we've world. We've had some great parades this decade. <laughs> we really have had some no, yeah. wonderful parades. There's also Scherzer, too. When Scherzer was going around the, uh, the World Series trophy, and he looked happy, and it was just... Something you've never seen before? It's been a really, I think, a really, really good decade. Absolutely. That, we had that one run, I think it was 2015, 2016, where every single championship was just, like, iconic. Yeah. I should have said who I thought it was because the guy was right. It was uh, Nicholas Mahou. Nicholas Mahou. That's not Novak Djokovic. No, that's not Novak Djokovic. <laughs> Nicholas Mahou? 
Yeah, that is not. Uh, that is definitely not uh, Novak Djokovic. Oh, I'm sorry, it was not five hours. I meant to say five sets. It was eleven hours and five minutes. Yeah, I was gonna say. I felt like it was longer. Yeah, than yeah, that, it was longer yeah, I, yeah, I, I misspoke. I apologize. And I got one more. Go ahead. Just came into my head. The Broncos Ravens game when the Ravens uh, were down by about I think six points to go in the game in the playoffs in the divisional round. And Joe Flacco, and Joe Flacco hits yeah. Jacoby Jones for like a seventy-five yard touchdown. That's a good one. Ooh. Not really the best sports moment, but a funny sports moment. Yeah. When the uh, lights went out in the Super Bowl between the Ravens and the 49ers, that was something that I remember that, and everyone was just being like, what is yep. going on? And then it turned the whole game around as a big conspiracy because of it. Jared, you got one? Uh, personal favorite was Habib and McGregor. Just jumping out of that ring. That was Ooh. a great fight. Ooh. Very anticipated. You know, big UFC guys here, too. The extracurricular activities after that fight were ones for the ages. You know what? I, I might... This might be a little bit of a hot take, but I don't think the McGregor and Habib match was his best match of the decade. I, if I had to give one, I would say it would be McGregor and Diaz I didn't when when they went when they went the distance and literally they kicked the absolute they went blow shit for, out of each other. They went blow for blow for blow on that one. Yeah, and um, Diaz won the first one. Yeah, Diaz won the first one, and then McGregor came back in the second one. Yep. It was more of a boxing match. Yes, that's correct. You know, it could have been a moment of the decade, potentially, if they let it happen all the way through. I also, we're all thinking a lot of recent stuff, just because it's recency bias and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that BMF match between uh, Diaz and Masvidal, if that yeah. match went to the end, that could have been something. That ref calling the game early, I mean, the doctor, I think it was, and it was all based off of New York doctors and stuff like that. It was kind of like a little bit shady. But if that game went to the wire, if that match started went to the wire, that could have been something. Like, that was a real good match. Fight. I- Fight. I keep saying Fight. match. I call Fight. matches. Showed a good change in the UFC. Yeah. Up and coming yes. fighters. Yeah. I got another one. Yeah, go ahead. The St. Louis Blues catching the first Stanley Cup. Oh, okay. Ooh. All right, good one. I was going to mention the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, if Just they completed that? that, they that? Oh. I think that deserves some love. I would have put that on. I would have put that close to the top if they if they had won it. That probably would have been one for me, honestly. Yeah, if, if, they, if they did win it, if, if they, they had won, it, I think that would have been no doubt one. Just as an expansion team, their first season winning a cup, that would have been uh, that would have been something. Hey, I tell you what, Gary Bettman was uh, was a pretty happy man when he saw the Vegas Golden Knights getting to a cup final in their first year after being told that nothing was going to happen in Vegas. But is look that, what success does. Is that Seattle expansion uh, finalized? Yeah. Tap when's that, when's that draft going to be? Uh, the summer. This summer. The same summer. format as last time? Did they change anything? Mm-hmm. Nope. Same format. Same format. And then Seattle will have their team uh, next season. Interesting. So, that was that was fun. That was good. I enjoyed I like that. that. I honestly, I had no idea what to expect. Yeah. But I, I honestly should have seen one quick question where two days left in the decade. I think that, that was pretty. Well, what can I say? I'm a radio professional. That was served to you on a golden platter. It's always good to appreciate. I am, a ra- I am a radio professional. I've done this before. It's fun being washed up, looking at the past. We are certainly washed up. Okay, so enough of looking in the past. Let's look at the future, shall we? Uh, we're going to look at... Segue. What can I say? Fantastic uh, segue. Again, I've done this before. So we have uh, playoffs coming. Uh, Cowboys, we are on Jason Garrett watch. Uh, hopefully they will make my life, and maybe you'll get to hear me react like a little child when uh, Jason Garrett gets fired, and hopefully Jerry Jones gets his head out of his ass and does it quite soon. But we're here to in, talk about playoff teams. Anyway. In any event, in any event, <laughs> yes, we are here to talk about AFC playoff teams for today. And like I said, next episode we'll be covering NFC playoff teams and we'll do a bit more in-depth playoff dissection, I guess if you want to call it that. So the first team up, we have uh, the Ravens. And, I mean, what can you really say about the Ravens at this point? They oh. are they 
I mean, my sentence for them is really damn good that you represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. It's about it. It's about it. I, I mean, the only thing that can really l- slow Lamar Jackson down is his overall health. Yeah, but he's going to have two whole weeks to recover, and then he'll be good to go. And I mean, I I, I don't know who's going to stop the Ravens in all the AFC. I, I, I just game, don't. All I'd say about this game was uh, Harbaugh, coach of the year. Yep. I think yeah, it's a good take. Pretty fair argument at this point. I mean, he didn't have. Are we? Are we doing? Yeah, we're going to it right now. I mean, he didn't have a starting quarterback. He didn't have a starting running back. He didn't have. You know, he was seeing some players this week due to injury and stuff like that. RG three was eleven for twenty one with one interception, no touchdowns, and they still won twenty to ten. Well, they're also going against the Steelers, who just don't have a prayer at the quarterback position. But yes, that is. But fair, yes, but it was it was RG three playing yeah. their backup quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive to go to do that in the last game of the season in a game that didn't really mean anything for them. And I know there's not an award for it, but if there was a coordinator of the year award, that should be going to Greg Roman, offensive it, coordinator for the Rams. You know, a lot of respect going to Greg Roman, but you can't sleep on the fact that they let up 77 passing yards and 91 rushing yards in that game. They let up less than 200 yards in that game. Now, RG3 was 11 for 21. Yeah. He was acting like he went 40 for 40. Oh, he absolutely was. And he, he had only, a lot of swagger many, out there. He was having the time yards, of his life. How many rushing yards do you think he had? I bet he had about 10. Really? Okay, so he had fifty. He had fifty. He had fifty, but again, wow. he was acting like he had one fifty. Like that is very. He came true. on the sidelines flexing and stuff like that. I mean, look, I love to see RG three coming back, and he thinks he's gonna be a starter next season. Yeah, you know that's pretty high hopes for yourself, but thinks he's gonna be a starter. RG three ah. felt like he got his swagger back yesterday. He really did. With all oh, with the tape on his arm too. Was that is the that first quarterback ever stat. to wear white? Yeah, unofficial stat. First quarterback ever to wear that white turf tape that Alvin Kamara. Presented about two years ago. He's the first quarterback to ever wear that during an NFL game. Well, as far as I know. If Alvin Kamara's wearing it, then he must be trash. So I'm not even getting into this. Stop with that. Enough. All right. You want me to go? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, For the Ravens, I just put deserved favorites. Uh, Most rushing yards by uh, a team uh, in NFL history as far as full season. What, 3,296 yards total. Yep. Their fourth down attempts, they... Converted 17 out of the 24 this year. That's oh. 71%. That was, I believe it was the most in the league. If not, it was very close to the top. Uh, no, it was, it was number one. The second closest playoff team, because I wanted to look to see where they were compared to other teams, was Kansas City at 60%. They're 10% or 11% higher than the closest that's, team. That's, that's insane. That's not even bad, too, with Kansas City. 60% on fourth down. You can't complain about that. No. They uh, haven't uh, put up under 20 points all season. They Which put up, is... Yeah, at least, I think huh. it was at least... They put up 20 against the 49ers. That was their lowest this whole season. And then since week nine, uh, after they faced New England, opponents have put up 20 or more two times. Wow. So that shows that they put up over 20 and they don't let up any more than 20. Yeah, I mean, you look at who they have on defense. You know, Marcus Peters, since being traded from the from the Rams, has looked uh, unbelievable. He looks like a a really, really good corner who just got paid, exactly. Just got paid, yeah. Earl Thomas, we all know what kind of safety he would be, and he's become the quarterback of that defense. And, I mean, a guy that not a lot of people really talk about either who has had a really, really good season is Matthew Judon, nine and a half sacks for the Ravens. And, of course, we go back to it. Tim mentioned it before. you got a team that's coached by John Harbaugh. It's going to be a sound defensive team. They're going to be good on special teams. And the offense is going to produce. I just don't think that anybody saw the offense producing this much at, at such an historic rate either, which is beyond anything that I think could have been predicted. Yeah, I think they're they're almost guaranteed to make it to the AFC Championship. I think so. I can't so. see any of the four through six seeds because they don't have to play New England in the second round. Right. 
I think they're almost a lock to make the AFC. Oh, yeah, I had them. Um, what's it called? Sorry. Uh, they're poised to meet the Chiefs in the playoffs in the uh, conference championship. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Well, no, I agree. I'm sorry. No, uh, no. no doubt strong, but uh, yeah. it's a very, very likely situation at this point. I'm also I'm curious to see if they'll be as aggressive as they were as far as going for it on fourth down as much as they did. At some point, they're, about, they're at their own 35-yard line, and they were still going for it on fourth and one or fourth and inches. I'm curious to see if they keep that going in the playoffs or they settle for points. Well, for me, you don't fix what ain't broke. I mean, they ain't broke, don't fix it. Hey, thank you. If this is what has been their way of becoming a successful football team this year, with all the questions coming in with Lamar Jackson, saying he can't throw a ball, he is going to put himself at risk to be injured, this and that, this and that, this and that. He's proven all of those doubts completely wrong. He has been the best quarterback in the league this year by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. Why are you going to go ahead now? And try and change the game plan when you are three wins away, if you're the Ravens, from winning the Super Bowl and completing probably the most unprecedented season in NFL history, but definitely one that if you said before the season, the Ravens were going to win the AFC North by a ton, we're going to be the number one overall seed in the AFC, we're going to make the Super Bowl out of the AFC and then win it, I think someone would have said you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. Just because of all the doubts that were going on with Lamar Jackson coming into the season. I mean, that on top of all that Browns hype in the uh, AFC North, right. too. People really thought the Browns were going to win the division, which, I mean, it was fair to think they might win the division. Even the Steelers, too. A lot of people Steelers, favor the Steelers too. over them going into the year. Yeah, with a healthy uh, Ben yeah, Roethlisberger, healthy sure. Sure, it, it makes sense. It's but. so weird to think they started the season 2-2 two and two also. Like, yeah. Looking back, like I don't even yeah. remember considering them like in the first couple weeks. No, and now Lamar just did his thing. He did his thing. Uh, next up, Tim, you'll be very happy to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, and Yes, I will. You know what? I'll let you have the floor. Thank you. Well, can, I just, can I just go? Go, please. First of all, my, my sentence about this is I wish I was in that stadium for that. The idea of being in that stadium to, to win that game and to also hear that the Patriots lost to the Dolphins. I'm, I'm sorry. Can I cut you off for one second? Um, you were the one who said to me, that you don't understand how Kevin Harlan can call a football game. Okay, oh, that was no, that right. was, was the that. best call of anything no, I was wrong that I have ever seen in my life. I was wrong with that. You are not Hands a Kevin Harlan fan. You said that yesterday no, multiple times. I'm 100 percent wrong about that. I think I mix him up with someone else. First of all, there's a certain a certain way a play is called that I'm just not a fan of, and I don't think he's bad. It just doesn't sit well with me. I don't know what it is. These certain like. But just the screaming and stuff like that. I'm like a player going on the sidelines. I, I think I'm mixing him up with someone else though, because I'm gonna I'm gonna retract anything I said about Kevin Harlan. I was wrong. National Ooh. treasure. I have a question. Yes, shoot. Who's a better announcer? Kevin Harlan or is it Gus Johnson? Is that yeah, his name? Gus Johnson. Who's better? Gus Johnson or Kevin Harlan? Kevin Harlan, because I think Gus Johnson's voice is a little bit annoying. Really? A little bit. A little bit. I prefer Gus Johnson over Kevin Harlan. I understand what you mean. I think I think you are talking about Kevin Harlan, how sometimes he just gets it's, a little excessive. So it's a little excessive sometimes, but I'm not denying his ability to call a game. I think it's just the way certain plays are called with the screaming and like the theatrics and stuff like that. I get it. It does bring a little excitement to the game, but sometimes it's just excessive. I mean, well, would you rather Kevin Harlan slash Gus Johnson screaming, or would you rather a monotone Joe Buck who may raise his voice every now and again when Aaron Rodgers does something impressive. I mean, the Joe Buck slander needs to stop. And yeah, I, I like Joe Buck. I don't, I don't get that. I mean, you're a Yankees fan. Get over it. He's right? boring. I don't know what you guys think he hates. He's 
boring. I'm not going to talk about Joe Buck right now. We're talking about the A's. Continue about, about the Chiefs, please. I mean, the Chiefs coming into the playoffs hot. It was a big end of the season win. They got rewarded with the win by the Dolphins to help secure the bye. That's huge. Um, let's talk about their run offense right now because that was a question mark for them previously. And Damian Williams this week, two touchdowns, 124 yards. They're stepping up the run game. That's huge. Um, defense is allowing less than 300 yards per game in their final, list, in their final five games of the season. Um, I'm excited for a home game at Arrowhead. I really am. I think it's going to be a great vibe. I think the fans deserve this. The bye week is going to be huge for them. Can't wait to see what the Chiefs do in the playoffs. Yeah, to piggyback on your defensive point, the most points they've let up in the past six games since they've been on their six-game win streak was 21. Yep. Which leads right to my statement that I said about them was they're not as Mahomes-dependent as we thought they would be. No, Mahomes had, I think, 161 passing yards in that game, too. It's really – it's – I. I love Patrick Mahomes. I want to see him lead the league. I want to see him go for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns again. But if that's not what he needs to do for him to win, then I don't want to see him do it. Because I really want to see what this team can be if they're in a concise and very well-put-out offense that only helps their defense. Yeah, Mahomes has not been Mahomes-esque this year, but yeah. he, he just hasn't had to be. And if you really think about it, it makes sense. Throwing a 50-yard touchdown... Yeah, it's great. It looks awesome. You know, it's great for your offense. Everyone's boosting around, stuff like that. But then your defense is right back in the field, and how does that really help anything? If you can chew time off the clock, that's really when you start helping your defense. Yeah, I, I think both of your points basically is what I was going to say. And, you know, the Chiefs' defense has looked really good the last month or so. And you guys have pointed that out pretty well. I won't even repeat the stats. Um, but guys that I've highlighted are Tyron Matthew, and I, I just don't think that there's been a better – defensive ad in terms of what he's brought to a football team quite like Tyron Matthew has for the Chiefs when they needed a leader to come back in on that secondary be the quarterback for the defense much like Earl Thomas is for the Ravens that's what Tyron Matthew is for the Chiefs and they needed one absolutely desperately but they just lost rookie Juan Thornhill to a torn ACL he's out so there's a massive holdouts at the other safety spot for the Chiefs so the guys that I'm looking to step up, you need Kendall Fuller to step up. You need Bashad Breeland to step up. Both of them have been playing pretty solid football this year overall. And then, of course, the two edge rushers, Frank Clark and the recently acquired Terrell Suggs. You need both of them to really put pressure on these opposing quarterbacks. What do, do all these quarterbacks have in common? Maybe minus Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady. They're all mobile quarterbacks. They can all get outside the pocket and make plays with their legs. Terrell Suggs and Clark need to do a decent enough job in terms of getting to the quarterback and making sure that they are staying in the pocket and having to use their arms and not their legs to beat them. Because the secondary for the Chiefs was one of their biggest problem areas last year and the first three quarters of this year, and it hasn't been that the last month. So if these quarterbacks are now restricted to being pocket passers like Deshaun Watson, like Josh Allen, who they could end up having to play, in the next round, it's going to make a big difference for the Chiefs because if you're allowing a quarterback to just run wild with his legs, that's a that's a big problem, especially if it's Deshaun Watson. Please inject Terrell Suggs in Baltimore for the AFC Championship game oh into my, my veins. Oh, my God. Please. Yeah, that's a good take. Let's do that. That is a uh, very, very good take. Let's do that. Next up, we have the New England Patriots. And honestly, I can't remember a New England Patriots team that has – more questions than answers in my lifetime. I mean, they look flat. This they just is, don't look good. This is the first, look good. Time, first time in a while that going into the playoffs, you don't see or you don't see an identity with the Patriots. That's 100% correct. I had a fun stab at the Patriots. Defense. Please, please. First half of the season, 25 turnovers forced. 
Second half of the season, 11. Five of those it's a big against drop the off. Bengals. Yeah, that's a big drop-off. That's that's a big drop-off. Yeah. That is a very important thing to look at when you think of how opposing their defense was in the beginning yeah. of the season. That's I don't know how they're going to recover from that. They really need to step it up somehow, and the offense clearly isn't that option. No. Because those turnovers, it's so many extra possessions. I think compared to last year's team, how at the end of the season, a lot of people were unsure about how the Patriots were going to be in the playoffs. A lot of questions about their offense late in the season. But this year, losing uh, James Devlin, their fullback, David Andrews, their center, and Rob Gronkowski as a run-blocking tight end, it's really killed their run game, and it just forced them to not have an identity. And I think that's what's really hurting them the most. What do they do well on offense? Uh, throw it to Edelman. Throw it to Edelman over 10, the middle. 12 times game. Action a couple times. Yeah. Throw it to James White on a screen once in a while. Yeah. Throw a faith in Nikhil, Nikhil Harry down the sideline. Yeah. They don't do anything well for me, which... That makes you feel very uncomfortable about picking them in any any kind of bracket. I, I bet on the pitch when I was in Jersey a month ago. I bet on the Patriots. I bet forty dollars on them when I was All in Jersey. Betting done on this podcast is done in Jersey. Strictly in Jersey. Absolutely. I take my trips down there sometimes. Absolutely. I bet forty dollars on the Patriots, and I'm not too happy right now. No, because what are they now? I think they're like plus. plus they're actually yeah, they're plus yeah, eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred. That's that's. I don't that's know, insane I don't to even me. Have to fact check that, it's got to be the no, no. That's that's the exact number. That's no. But I'm saying that's got to be their worst odds going into playoffs ever. Like, uh, as, oh, probably Brady, in the Tom Brady era. Probably when it, when it wasn't when it wasn't uh, Matt Castle is their uh, quarterback. Yeah. This is pro- their, it probably is. This is their first wild card game since 2010. Yeah, that's yeah, which is nuts. And when Tom Brady wasn't even there, um, and again, it's basically what Brett just said. It's my sentence to describe the Patriots is. Who is going to step up on offense? They need somebody outside of Julian Edelman to be the number two option in that passing game. It's that simple. And you, you can point to, oh, well, Tom Brady hasn't been himself. The offensive line hasn't been as good. But Tom Brady hasn't been himself because opposing defenses have just gotten smart. They've realized what I think any Monday morning quarterback, couch potato, can figure out. You double Julian Edelman. Tom Brady has nobody else to throw to. The Texans did that on Sunday Night Football. And that just opened up a whole can of worms for the league. They just realized, oh, shit, nobody else is catching the ball. So let's go ahead and double out of one. And for the most part, it's worked. So what are the other options now for the Patriots? They need one of James White, Muhammad Sanu, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, Benjamin Watson to step up and who the hell it's going to be out of those five, I couldn't tell you. Uh, James White is probably the most logical guy, but most they don't likely. play him enough to really say that he's an every-down sort of threat for the Patriots. So I don't know who that guy is going to be. If I had to make a prediction, it would be Rex Burkhead. Well, it might be because Belichick loves we've him. Seen we've him seen him a little bit right now. Year. He's he's been the best running back in the backfield as far as rushing the football. And how many times have you seen a Patriots running back who hasn't had the best season ever just come into the playoffs and all of a sudden he's Jesus Christ? And I it think, makes no sense, but yeah, here they are. If they're gonna win, they're gonna need Nikhil Harry to step up. They're gonna oh, need yeah. Rex Burkhead to step up. I just want to drop my one sentence about the Patriots. Yes, yes uh, go ahead. I don't really have much else to say about this right now. We'll get into mm-hmm. it later. Yeah, but go ahead. Foreshadowing and Foxborough. Talk more about that. Okay. Interesting. So now we have the Houston Texans. And J.J. Watt, we think he's going to play. We've heard he's going to play, which is amazing how he is going to play. And that's going to help the Texans for sure. But for me, 
the ultimate goal for the Texans has got to be you have to protect Deshaun Watson. That is number one before anything else. The Texans' offensive line has just been an unmitigated disaster since Deshaun Watson's entered the league. And it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how the Texans cannot get an offensive line to protect possibly the best pound-for-pound, pound, most talented quarterback in the National Football League in Deshaun Watson. It's a hot take right there. It might be. It might be, but I, I think but he— who knows what the lines we've seen him behind. It's right, hard to tell. Right, exactly right. We've seen him do amazing things with the lines that they don't even provide to him. Who could only imagine what he would do behind the Cowboys or Pittsburgh Steelers? Exactly. Exactly right. Since coming into the league in 2017, there has not been a quarterback that has been hit more than Deshaun Watson. By, like, a the, lot. By a lot. Yeah. By a lot. It's not even remotely close. I think he could take a lot of the blame for that. He most he certainly drops back. He takes a lot of time back there. He most certainly can, and he does take a lot of deep dropbacks too. But still, when he has no time to throw the ball and get the ball downfield, and he's getting hit seven, eight, nine times a game, and maybe four of those are sacks, that's a big problem. And any other, any quarterback is not going to be able to withstand taking those kind of hits over a sixteen-game season, and then include potential playoff games and things like that. He, he He's banged up. He's banged up. He had the chin injury that he was carrying in the Tampa Bay game. Uh, didn't play last week versus the, the Titans, so he's resting up, obviously. But he, he's got he's to be – it's got to be a concern for the Texans that Deshaun Watson is going into the playoffs hobbling on one leg, especially when it's his plant leg, too. That's a big, big problem. And talking about the other side of the football, too, we also had to look at the fact that they let up 211 rushing yards last game. Yeah. And they're playing the Bills next week. You got a mobile quarterback. They have a solid run game. That's not something that's going to be easy for them. If they're going to let up this many yards in the last game of the season, you can only imagine what's going to happen next week. Hey, uh, congratulations to the baby, Derrick Henry, for uh, winning the rushing title away from Nick Chubb. That is uh, that's I, something. Derrick Henry is about to get paid. We will certainly talk about the baby, Derrick Henry, later. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my one sentence to describe the Texans was, can they finally get over the hump? Since Bill O'Brien's been the head coach of the Texans, they are 1-3 in the playoffs with their one playoff win against Connor Cook and the Oakland Raiders. You know what I saw wow. today on Twitter, too? How many times are the Texans going to play in that Saturday? The first Saturday the first game Saturday. on ESPN at 425. It's, They've played it every year for, I think, the past, for the past decade. Yeah. They've played that game. That's their slot. I think Deshaun Watson, he's got to bounce back. After last year's performance, where they they almost got shut out against the Colts, he had a quite horrific game last year. I think Deshaun Watson's one of those QBs. He's a very special talent. I think he's he's one of those QBs that when he has a bad game, usually bounces back after. So I'm curious yep. to see how well he does this weekend. Um, this could be a wake up call for them if, if they do lose this game. Though I think Bill O'Brien's job could be on the line if they do lose this game. Oof. Wow, we're finally getting on board with that. I've been the one saying that forever. I thought you I thought you were against me on that. I was maybe I think I said Bill O'Brien, the GM, is different from Bill O'Brien, the head coach. Well, that's what I was Bill saying. O'Brien is the acting GM of the, the Houston Texans position. right now, and he's done a great job. Yeah, he is. He's making some great moves, but as a coach, I think that he might need to step back. Maybe he's better suited as a GM. Possibly, but I just if they do lose to the Bills in the first round, I think there is a chance that he gets fired. Oh, the problem is the problem with Houston though is they don't actually have a general manager. No, that, that's that's why I'm thinking that he's basically bulletproof until they go out and hire a general manager. Why not go the other way around? I, they, I mean, they, they've won the division. They've won the division. That's so, the one thing that is keeping him alive. They've won the division plenty of times over the past five 
five years. Yeah, but your point is absolutely valid. They need to get over the hump, but I I don't think his job is at risk by any means just because I think there will be teams, there will be borderline playoff teams that will go and hire him in about five seconds. But let's just think about how talented the Houston Texans really are. How talented was their defensive line over the past five years with Jadavian Clowney? Very good. J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless. Very good. They've had DeAndre Hopkins, arguably the best wide receiver in the league, maybe not this year, but in the past years. He's considered to be the number one wide receiver in the NFL. Um, Lamar Miller was okay at running back. Obviously, their O-line isn't as good, but Deshaun Watson, like you said before, maybe the best talent as far as quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. Like, they have a talented roster around them, but they just haven't been able to get over the hump. Well, there are also a lot of holes in this in this roster, too. The secondary is just it, – it's basically pieced together by first-round picks that didn't last in other organizations. So they just said, they just said, okay, we'll bring them in here, and we'll see if they if they pan out. Vernon Hargreaves, Garyon Conley, to name a few. Um, but that's, that's the one key area for the Texans where if they are going to go far, they need to do it, A, by protecting Deshaun Watson, and B, the secondary has got to be good. And J.J. Watt being back there on the defensive line is going to help a ton. I don't know how effective he may be, but I think just based based on his presence alone, him being there is going to be a good thing for the Texans. In situations like J.J. Watt, like right now, though, I always like to think about how important is it for them to really bring him back right now? Are the Texans really going to win the Super Bowl by bringing him back? No. Is it that much more important to win one more playoff game, maybe, because they do bring him back? Given the no, risk of him having a torn pectoral muscle right I now. I agree with you. I really think it would be a stupid move for them to bring him back this week. I don't think it's safe for him. I don't think it's safe for his future. I think it's one of those things that would be selfish of them to bring him back. Maybe. I think it's almost time for J.J. Watt to retire at this point. Oof. 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 He gets injured Oof. every he single season. He'll never retire, though. He's not that kind of guy. He is not that kind of guy. He's the kind of guy who's he's going to want to come back out. Okay, okay. Him. So, Tim, you can tell J.J. Watt that... He needs to sit this one out. And Brett, you could tell J.J. Watt that needs to retire. There we go. Perfect. You well, if he retires, he sits it out automatically. I, I wish you both best, the best of luck. I wish you both the best of luck with that. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, no, that is Brett. true. That he, he just might. Yeah. No, he, he, I guess the biggest problem with him sitting out this week would probably be himself. And he may just call TJ and Derek to come help him out while he's just feasting on both of you. Yeah. Well, I don't want to think about that. I'm not scared of J.J. Watt. Uh, you should be. I think we all are. Uh, All right, we want to talk about the Bills. Next up, America's favorite team, the Buffalo Bills. Well, America's favorite team now that your Cowboys are out, I guess. Oh, they are America's favorite team, period, based on the wonderful quarterback that they have. Uh, Brett, go ahead. What's your What's your point about the Bills that you want to make? My one sentence to describe the Bills, Sean McDermott is the most underrated coach in the NFL. Yep. I mean, I think it's getting to the point, though, where he's like Russell Wilson with quarterbacks, that everybody just screams that he is underrated. You yeah, know what I'm talking no, about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, Everybody says they're underrated to the point where they're just not underrated anymore. It's starting to get to that point, but I'm going to keep saying it. And I think their front office has done a fantastic job. Think about the beginning of the 2018 season last year after they got demolished by the Baltimore Ravens in Week 1. And they, I think they lost to the Chargers Week 2. People were considering them maybe the worst team in NFL history. The Bills last year? The beginning of last year when they lost like 40-7. Wow. to seven. Oh, yeah. For two games when in a row. Nathan, when they, when Nathan, when Peter. Nathan oh, Peter Peter was here, starting quarterback. And then they threw that, in yeah. Josh Allen, and they surprisingly beat the Minnesota Vikings. Yes. That knocked a lot of people out of Survivor Pools. I know about yeah. five that were that, just destroyed. They've Story certainly number. gone a long way. They came a long way since last season. Picking up uh, John Brown and Cole Beasley to support uh, Josh Allen, as well as Dawson Knox, their rookie tight end. 
as well as building their offensive lineup. They've just done a great job of surrounding Josh Allen with some weapons, and their defense is obviously everybody considers them to be, I say, top five in the NFL. Yeah. A solid overall defense led by Tredavious White, who I think you can argue could be the best corner in the NFL. I am in full agreement. If you really pull up the stats for it, I don't have the stats for it right now. It's between him and Gilmore for me. And I think they have a good shot at being the Texans in the first round. Actually, I think they will beat the Texans in the first round. Hmm. I, I don't mind that take at all. Uh, our producer, uh, Matt Burtzell, would you like to say something about uh, Dawson Knox? This is a Dawson Knox-friendly podcast. Absolutely. Any banter on him will be punishable by death. <laughs> since, we're, since we're talking about Dawson Knox, I think we need to give a shout-out to the Ole Miss football team. Oh, my God. That's Dawson Knox, A.J. Brown, and D.K. Metcalf all on one team. And they won how many games? Five? Five. <laughs> Five. I wonder what they would have done with Lane Kiffin. I mean, <laughs> if only they had Lane Kiffin. <laughs> interesting to think about. If only they had Lane Kiffin, they'd be kicking 70 yard field goals. Oh my God. <laughs> I never want to see that again. Um, my one thing to say about this game was the defense showed up. I mean, you have a backup quarterback. You're not starting your back, your top running back. You're not starting John Brown. And you come out here, and Matt Barkley goes 18 for 35 with two picks. Is there a problem? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Matt Barkley goes 18 for 35 with two picks, and they still ended up 13 points. And I know it's the Jets, but when you have a QB who's throwing like that and you're still only letting up 13 points, it shows your defense is clearly able to get out of the field, even if they're going to be on the field the entire game. And that's impressive looking going forward to the playoffs. I'm so happy you mentioned Matt Barkley. Well, Matt Barkley is a great, great We love Matt Barkley here. Matt Barkley, USC. Matt Barkley's uh, alternate career as a Bengals quarterback in uh, Madden franchise mode. This is a 14-year-old me was... In love with Matt Barkley. <laughs> this is a Matt Barkley-friendly podcast. We're very friendly to many Bills. Matt Barkley, we future guest. mention Josh Allen. Well, if you let me speak, I would, love I would mention sorry. Josh Allen, the most handsome quarterback in the NFL, Josh Allen. Right, take it easy over there. Yeah, watch it. <laughs> it's, very, it's very true. I mean, I, uh, I have the honor of sitting right in front of the man himself, Josh Allen, his signed jersey in the, in the basement. So... My sentence for the Bills is about the aforementioned Josh Allen. The Bills are going to go as far as Josh Allen takes them. What do I mean by that? Well, the big concern for Buffalo and for all the Josh Allen haters out there, I know plenty of them, and for those people, go fuck yourselves, you're wrong about Josh Allen, is that he needs to be more of an accurate passer. And and yes, that, that is a very fair case to make. He had a 58.8% completion percentage this year, which isn't shabby by any means. He, I believe his career number so far is around 53%, which that's not great, but 58% is pretty good. If he can bump that to over 60% for the playoffs, which I don't know if he's capable of, just because how erratic he can be at times. And he has the occasional one or two really, really, really bad throws where you're just sitting there and saying to yourself, oh, fuck, Josh, why the hell did you throw that ball? Then the Bills can go far. And Brett's take about them beating the Texans is not too far off because I think a lot of people are going to go ahead and say that the Bills are just a better football team than the Houston Texans at this point in time. But If Josh Allen is not going to be that guy to bring them to where they need to with Deshaun Watson, it's not going to happen. And the Bills could get absolutely smoked by the Texans. You done talking about Josh Allen? 
Yeah, I think that was a very honest point about Josh Allen. Oh, so was your problem before that I mentioned Matt what? Barkley and not Josh Allen? No, 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 no. I no. think it was. I think it no, not at all. Was. I think I could have realized. I could have. I could have sat here and I could have said Josh Allen deserves to win NFL MVP. He is the best quarterback of all time. Well, Joe Montana can't hold heard. a candle to Josh Allen. I could have said that. When Josh Allen delivered you that signed jersey himself, did he give you a schmancel and a kooky pen in the box with it? He actually gave me three. Oh, okay. So the last one that we have for the AFC are the Tennessee Titans. The miracle Tennessee Titans who somehow found God after benching Marcus Mariota in the form of Ryan Tannehill. This is a major shock to a lot of people that benching Marcus Mariota was the way they were going to make the playoffs. I never would have thunk it in a million years. Keep stroking yourself, Ed. Marcus Mariota is probably the worst quarterback in the NFL. Anyway, um, Tim, what's your one sentence about the Tennessee Titans? We're going to go back to my uh, sentence about the Patriots first. Okay. Foreshadowing in Foxborough. All right, it's going to lead us into my sentence about the Titans. Nice tie-up. Very nice. Getting over the Tannehill. All right. Wow. I know, right? I honestly, I thought of that one, and I was like, "You deserve some claps." Thank you, boys. I'll put some sort of like standing so, ovation, lights, I, camera, action, sort of I applause really for that. It. So getting over Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill has never started a playoff game. The one season he was leading towards going to the playoffs, he did get injured that season, and Matt Moore started in that playoff game, which is unfortunate. That um, was at Arrowhead too. It was. Um, I was in Pittsburgh. So this past was it in Pittsburgh? It was in Pittsburgh. Oh, never mind. Don't even, don't even trip. Now we got to question him. What's it? Don't do it. We got the encyclopedia yes. here. Let me get into this a little bit though. So Ryan Tannehill has never won a playoff game. Uh, this past loss to the Dolphins though was a bit of a foreshadowing, all right? Because what Dolphins quarterback recently has given the Patriots a lot of problems? That would be the man himself, Ryan Tannehill, quarterback of the Titans. There are two QBs. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this stat with an asterisk because it wasn't an official NFL stat I found. It was in some forums I was looking at. Um, there are two QBs with four wins against Tom Brady, career. That is Peyton Manning and Ryan Tannehill. Peyton Manning was six and eleven. Ryan Tannehill is four and seven right now. I don't. Did they play this season? I don't think uh, P, uh, Patriots and Titans. They haven't played already. No, they didn't. They didn't. No. So he's four and seven career against uh, Tom Brady. Some other notable quarterbacks. All right, who've played a good amount of games against Tom Brady. You have Andrew Luck, who's zero and six against Tom Brady. Philip Rivers, zero and eight career against Tom Brady. All right. Ryan Tannehill has four wins against Tom Brady. All right. He is 7-3 and three this year after coming in to start for the Titans. All right. He has three game-winning drives. It's pretty impressive. It's not a bad stat line for 10 games. And we have to mention, Tractor Seat, though, a.k.a. the baby, a.k.a. Derrick Henry, who is going to lead the rushing attack in this game. And I really think that the Titans have a solid chance to go into Foxborough and take this game. Jared, what are your thoughts about Derrick Henry? Well, we call him the baby because this guy is the size of Mars. When you see him on the field... There's stuff gravitating around him. But guess what? He goes up the middle, someone touches his foot, and he goes down. It's unbelievable. This guy's a beast. Have you, ever, have you ever seen those holes? Massive when he gets through. The size of Afghanistan. Massive. <laughs> one guy touches him, he's down. <laughs> yeah, my, my one sentence about the Titans. baby, 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 and more baby. That's very funny because that's exactly mine. Derrick Henry, this is a real stat. Derrick Henry averaged about 300 uh, carries per game on the Titans this year. Insane. That's a real stat. I looked yep. that up. He averaged about 120 yards per game on 300 carries, where he had one carry of 60 yards every game. Besides that, he averaged about two. Something about the Titans' offensive line, they just create these behemoths <laughs> of holes. 
for Derek Carr. They have some big males now online. They, they do. do. Taylor Luan, Jack, Jack Conklin. Conklin, Roger Saffold. Yeah. I think actually shout out to their tight uh, their offensive line. I'm pretty sure they have a, they have a podcast. Do they really? The I think Taylor Luan does have a podcast. They have a podcast. Yeah. So shout out to them. Now, but they have a system and they have a scheme that's just been working for them all year. Pound the rock with the baby. Give him about 30 carries. They want to give him 30 carries a game. Right off of that, they do the play action. AJ Brown deep down the field. It's been working all year. So I'm curious to see since if we know this, Bill Belichick knows this is going to happen. Well, that is the problem. Yeah. And the Titans are also there 6-0 and during the regular season when Derrick Henry has over 100 rushing yards. Wow, hashtag stats. Stats over here. Hashtag, hashtag analysis. We Thank like you. it. Thank you, Mr. Guest. Look at the like guests bringing some stats yeah. on here. You're like going to come, come prepared. I appreciate that, Jared. Uh, I don't even need to say anything. Mine was Derrick Henry. I don't even need to regurgitate anything. It's exactly that. If the Titans are going to beat the Patriots in Foxborough, they need to do it on the back of Derrick Henry. Simple as that. Okay. Can I bring up something real quick? Real quick. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. If you live in Jersey, Nevada, Costa Rica, where this stuff is legal, the Patriots, they have the best odds right now if you want to throw money down, in my opinion. You're getting a seasoned coach, a seasoned quarterback, five Super Bowl rings. Who are you putting your money down on? I'd say the Pats are the best option right now. Plus 1,400 Vegas just checked it out. I think they have great odds. We should make you the betting connoisseur of the Basement Talk podcast. Please bet in Vegas. Uh, Please bet in only New Jersey. Only New Jersey. Please. Or outside the continental United States, and please gamble responsibly. Disclaimer from the producer. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. My ideas are my ideas. (laughs) So before we move on to Black Monday, just just to wrap this up, who wins the AFC, boys? Producer, we'll start with you. I said I never doubt them again. I'm going with the New England Patriots. Wow. Ooh. If there's any time to doubt, it's right now. And they say that every time there's they a little do doubt. I know. But just some I, you know, anything you say with the Patriots, it's just cliche yeah, because But this year's different. But this year's different, <laughs> I know, but it just like look at it, it is. Like it just they never looked like this before. I've That's said really it. what it is. I've said it multiple times throughout the season. I'm I'm sticking to it. No, I respect that take though, that you if you always have to at least consider that. Um, I would have said the Baltimore Ravens, but that was before I saw the video of Coach O saying, go Bills, go Tigers. So, Buffalo Bills. To win the AFC. To win the AFC. Wow. It must be fun when your team's on the playoffs you can just say shit like that. Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm fully embracing just being a ridiculous football fan. It, 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 it's it's quite fun. I respect that. No, it's just, my serious pick is the Ravens. But I really wanted to beat the Buffalo Bills because seeing Josh Allen in the Super Bowl would just be absolutely electric. Mm. I took the Kansas City Chiefs. Love that. Mm. So we have one Pats, one Ravens slash Bills, and one Chiefs. I think, I think Chiefs, uh, Ravens, it's destined to happen. And I thought about last year's Rams versus Chiefs game when Tyreek Hill went up against Marcus Peters. Tyreek Hill had about 200 receiving yards that day. Yes, he did. Marcus Peters is... Very susceptible of letting up deep balls and deep touchdowns. He's one of those gambling kind of corners. Tyreek Hill loves doing those deep balls. That is why I went with the Chiefs over the Ravens. I don't know. Something about – I don't want to be like as cliche as everybody else that just wants to pick the Ravens right away just because they're having this amazing season. I always like to switch it up. But the Chiefs have just been so hot lately. They're the, I think they're the hottest team going into the playoffs right now. I know the, the, the Ravens have won nine games in a row, but – they just took a week off. They're going to have another week off after this. They're going to be gone for two weeks. You don't know how they're really going to look. The Chiefs are just coming in guns blazing right now. Their defense is on fire. Mahomes is Mahomes. Yeah, but if I, if I in crunch time, 
if I had to take the Ravens defense of the Chiefs, obviously crediting the way the Chiefs defense has played over the last month, I'm still taking the Ravens defense. And, that, and, and that's the deciding factor. I forgot about the biggest stat of them all. Is the AFC Championship game at night or during the day? Because oh, Mahomes cannot win at night. I hate you with this. I'm so tired of this. Wait. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm calling that stat bullshit. Because Why? he did beat the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football. It's the Bears. That's the Bears. He won at night. Well, he won at night. Is it the stat or not? He beat the Bears. Absolutely. And Thank you. the other teams he's lost to. They've been, Tim, we're actually agreeing on something. They've been crazy games he's lost. Wait, wait. Oh, you might be on something. We're agreeing on something. What the fuck? What's going on here? Because it's... Facts. <laughs> Maybe because if it's not an opinion, if it's just a legitimate fact that he's played very hard games on Monday Night Football or I during really the nighttime games. Oh, it's all right. They play at 3.05. Oh, that's even better news because I don't even hear you talk about it for the whole <laughs> week leading up. I got a couple games I can mention here to prove this stat right. I'm sure you can, but I'm not doing this right now. I'm just <laughs> I'm just not doing this. Jared, I, who's making it to the Super Bowl? We're just going to skip me? No, I no, no. I'm coming back to you. Okay, thank you. I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. You just need to cool off. You, you, need, you need to cool off at, if this is blasphemous. Uh, Jared, please, go ahead. From the AFC, I'm going the Patriots. Their season, they've been there before. There's going to be two storylines with the Patriots. Either they lose early, and it's going to be that they're washed up, Belichick can't adapt to the current teams that are out there, or they're going to go far and they're going to say, wow, we doubted them. This is the Patriots of old. They're here again. And I think that's going to be the storyline. They always show up in the playoffs different. And I think they still have that in them. And I still think they make it. I know. I'm late to the party in this one. And this isn't my, my pick. I'm just going to say that if the Patriots somehow win the Super Bowl this year, I, I will put money on them to win the Super Bowl every year. Because at this point, what's going to stop them? And yeah. I, I don't think I don't really think that they have a great chance of winning. But if they do win this year, that's going to be something that we have to look at. It would be a minor miracle. It, it would actually be a miracle, which is saying a lot about the Patriots winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, but my pick is the Chiefs. I mean, like we said, the Chiefs are the hottest team in football right now, in my opinion. Even though the, Ra- the Ravens are in a nine-game win streak. I mean, that win, Week 17, that's huge for them. That whole experience of getting lifted from a three seed to a one seed or two seed, I'm sorry, is great for team morale. Your team odds go up, I think it's like forty five percent. I would imagine that's a free win. It's a free win. You don't have to play a game now, and this is different. Like you said about the Ravens, the Ravens sat all their starters. That's kind of like taking a bye when you think about your starting QB, starting talent on offense, not playing for a week, and then also have a bye the next week. The Chiefs get a rest. It's a different scenario, and I really like their their chances coming out of the AFC. I really do. I'm the only ones taking the Ravens. Yeah, I'm wow. stunned. Out of the five people wow. here, there's only I one mean, Ravens. That's fan. crazy. You got a Chiefs fan. You got someone who's been burned by the Patriots before. Or I guess y'all will just want to be hipsters. Someone who's been wrong with the Patriots before is what I mean. You know what I'm saying. You, you said it yourself. I'm never going to bet against them again. That's burned was thinking. not the acceptable uh, word. I'm there. sorry. But you know what I'm talking wow. about. I, I'm... I'm Genuinely surprised. I'm the, genuinely the surprised. The Ravens have a very good chance of coming out of the AFC. No one's going to say that they don't. I just have the Chiefs, and I think they're ready. Okay. So, obviously, today is Black Monday. We are done with the AFC. Now let's talk about football in general and the teams that have not made the playoffs that are currently firing their coaches. So, Jay Gruden out in Washington. That happened way back in November. Ron Rivera was fired a couple weeks ago by the Panthers. And now the two confirmed firings that did happen today, Pat Shermer by the New York Football Giants and Freddie Kitchens by the Cleveland Browns. We are waiting and praying, emphasize the word praying, that Jason Garrett is going to be 
let go by the Dallas Cowboys. He probably won't be fired. He'll just let the let his contract expire, and that will be that for the sake of his dignity. Um, Can I just say one thing about go Black, ahead. Black Monday? The go best ahead. part of Black Monday is Sunday night. That's when Black Monday starts. Yeah. And that is when you when you realize that, oh, my God. And we didn't have a crazy Black Monday this year. Actually. No. No. I mean, I expect some more action to come in the coming weeks, but usually a Black Monday starts about 4 o'clock on Sunday when that first 1 o'clock game ends, and it's just chaos. Yeah. Black Monday has turned into Black Friday. I mean, can we talk about how, just for a second before we go and talk about some head coaching candidates, um, how in the hell is Doug Marone still the coach in Jacksonville? It's a great question. How has he not been fired? I think, you know, the, the I think Jags' one. ownership is just still trying to live off of the one AFC championship game they got to a couple years ago. I, I think so. I, I, that's I the think only, so. The only Do reason, they have anything else to live off of, though? No. No, they don't. David Garrard won, David Garrard won them a game on a Hail Mary. <laughs> a wonderful Hail Mary throw that got deflected into the receiver. They might as well bring back Mark Brunel at this point. Here's a hot take if you're, if you're ready for this. Um, if Bruce Arians does not want to bring back uh, Jameis Winston, I think Jameis Winston's going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, Jameis Winston really could fit in a lot of teams. If someone's willing to take him on and clean him up and make him into something that's a little more efficient, he could fit into a lot of teams. Good. If he doesn't want to throw 30 interceptions, that'd be be great. I was listening to another great podcast today, too, talking about the possibility of Jameis Winston going to the Bears. That's something to think about. I mean, that is something to consider. I mean, Mitch Trubisky has Give up on Trubisky and going into year three. I guess we could transition to that. We're looking for him from Matt Nagy. I expect it to be there. Yeah, yeah, I expect yeah. it to be there. I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I wasn't saying that. In the, I, there is a reason. No, yeah, there's been there's been talks about maybe yeah. him possibly being fired, but I think just like with the Jaguars, they just they they were twelve and four last year. Yeah, they're gonna live off of that one for another two years. I yeah, mean, probably. Uh, all right. So some coaches that could be hired as potential uh, for these teams for the, the the Cowboys if they do fire Garrett, please God do. Uh, the Browns, the Giants, the Panthers, the Redskins. We got Lincoln Riley, head coach at Oklahoma. Urban Meyer, the former Ohio State and Florida head coach. Eric Biniemi, the offense coordinator for Kansas City Chiefs. Matt Rule, who right now is the favorite, the odds-on favorite to be the head coach for the New York Football Giants. Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offense coordinator. Rob Sala, the 49ers defensive coordinator. Mike McCarthy, the former Packers head coach. Ron Rivera, who was fired. There have been a lot of reports saying that he is going to be the Redskins' next head coach. And here's one that not a lot of people are talking about, but David Shaw. He's one that is just very highly regarded, the head coach at Stanford. He is the one guy that NFL teams have been trying to get out of Stanford for years and years and years and years. And this could be the year that it happens. So my question to everybody on the dais, and I think I want to center this around the guys that have had their coaches fired, just because this is more personal for them than it would be for perhaps Brett, who just floats, and Tim, whose team is in the playoffs. So I will open the floor here to our producer. If you had to pick one guy to be the head coach of your New York football giants, it could be anything that's listed. It could be any of those guys, or it could be an outside guy. Who would it be if you had to pick one? So prior to the news coming out today of uh, the Washington Redskins most likely hiring Ron Rivera, I was very upset about that. Honestly, I'd probably say Mike McCarthy. Mm, okay. He 
basically bred Aaron Rodgers from the beginning. The Giants have a young quarterback who needs to be shadowed by an experienced head coach, and the storyline's written up right there for him. I like that one. I, I, I like that one a lot. Yeah, I think Ron Rivera was the obvious choice from the start. But obviously the I was genuinely player. very upset yeah. when I heard that he was most likely going to be a I Washington Redskins. too. Because I was, yeah. There was a lot of talk about Urban Meyer, and there's some connections there for Urban Meyer to the Redskins. And, you know, he has the Ohio State players there, too. There's He was in the press box. You know, there's yeah. stuff to look at. Him not going to Washington really opens the field because, one, I didn't really expect him to go anywhere else. I'm curious if he is going to take a head coaching job. That seemed to fit him pretty well. And also, now you have Ron Rivera off the table, which is just that's shocking. And a lot of teams are going to be upset that they didn't hop on that earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the head coaching options this year are slimmer than usual. Yeah. Yeah. Looking I mean, around, like Matt Matt Rule. Yeah, Matt Rule. The Baylor head coach, is, he's one of the more likely candidates out there. I think that just shows how slim the coaching pool is right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say real quick that I hate the Cleveland Browns. Like, uh, the fact that they go out and they interview Robert Sella and they interview Greg Roman, offensive coordinator of the Ravens. The, the Browns really think that the answer to all of their problems is flash and shininess and star players and whatever they think it is who are divas, Odell Beckham, stuff like that. Go for Mike McCarthy. That's your best option right now. I don't think that they, they need a they need a proven coach in that in that team. They need something proven. They need some football history, some past in that fucking facility because going for the guy who has Lamar Jackson, couple great running backs, a great off, a great offense surrounding him and he's the one who's turning out all these crazy plays and stuff like that. All right, that's fine. He's doing a great job with what he has there, but the Browns don't have that. Like they aren't on the same level as what the Baltimore Ravens are right now, and they're not even the same style of offense that they're looking to run. And Robert Sella has an entire cast on that defense. It's a very, very strong defense. He's doing a great job with that too. But I think the Browns might have gotten caught in the hype of how many times they've seen him on TV this season. And he got a lot of TV time, an absurd amount of TV yeah. time. And I really think that they just they're just trying to get get into these hype picks and do these things that are going to generate buzz and make them look like they're hip and whatever it is. It's an, enough. Hire a boring head coach who's done it before. Yeah, I saw a tweet today of Robert Sala potentially being a head coach option. And I somebody said somebody said, does he either take Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, and D Ford with him? Exactly. Well, I think if 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 there is one spot for Rob Sala where he could be an actual good fit, I think Dallas. Yes. I, I think I Dallas agree. has the pieces in place for the kind of defense that Rob Sala can potentially run that he's running with the 49ers. The pieces are in place in Dallas for that defense to be something like that. If he even wants to leave. If he even wants to leave. He's right. got a great gig going right, right now. I see no reason for him to But going, going back to your point when you were talking about uh, Mike McCarthy and needing an experienced head in Cleveland, I think it's the complete opposite. I think they need someone that's going to just bring a whole new fresh air into the building in Cleveland. And what better guy to do that than the guy that won Baker Mayfield the Heisman? In Lincoln okay. Riley, okay, yeah. I think Lincoln Riley. That is the spot where he, where he is needed the most. He's been linked with the Dallas job. Jerry Jones wants to pay him a blank check to get him to Dallas. No, 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 no. Lincoln Riley's best spot. It would it be better off going to Dallas for him personally, probably because Dallas is a better football team than Cleveland is. But who needs him more? Cleveland does. Because Baker Mayfield needs him more. Because if Baker Mayfield has another down year next year, we could start using the B word with him. Well, Baker does need a QB whisperer. 
without yes. a doubt. He needs someone yep. in his ear. He needs someone boosting his confidence, helping yep. him out with these accuracy problems. And he needs someone. I, Mike McCarthy's done with Aaron Rodgers. Not that he made Aaron Rodgers or anything. But no. Is, but he has that history with Aaron Rodgers. It's a good fit. And they, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, too. I like that take. Yeah. Really if they fit. hire McCarthy tomorrow, I would say good hire. Good hire. But Riley going to Cleveland with Baker, if you can get Odell back on board, if you can get Jarvis Landry back on board, Nick Chubb will be there. The pieces are in place for Cleveland to be a high-flying offense next year if, big if, if Baker can get back on track and show that he is the quarterback that we all saw that he can be from last year when he just basically lit the league on fire. And another thing about Lincoln Riley is Lincoln Riley could potentially help that offense spark. Yeah. And I think that their only chance of keeping Odell and Jarvis, and if they wanted to keep Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, which I don't know if they want to do that, but if they want to do that, they need some kind of spark in that offense. And bringing in a defensive guy is going to come in and shut it down and make them a little more of like a boring, not the high flashy offense that those guys want to participate in. Yeah, I think that would be a little bit of a shot in the foot for them. Yeah, for for and for me, if I had to pick a coach for the Cowboys, uh, it probably would be Lincoln Riley. If I had to pick one, I love David Shaw though. And if you can get him out of Stanford with the situation that's going on at Stanford right now, they have a bunch of highly recruited players that are entering the transfer portal. Uh, Stanford coming off of a very down year. This could be the time that you can get David Shaw out of Stanford. And if you can get him out of there and Dallas wants to hire David Shaw, he is an unbelievable football coach. He is an unbelievable football mind. That is the guy that I would want to be my head coach. David Shaw from Stanford. If you can get him out of there, oh my Lord, I would be a very, very, very happy camper. But they'll probably end up settling for someone like Lincoln Riley or Urban Meyer. Not that it's settling. I think those are two good hires if they, go in, not if they go in that direction. But for me, if I had to pick between going through the college ranks, I would have David Shaw over Urban Meyer and Lincoln Riley. Well, let's not rule out the possibility that Jason Garrett does get re-signed. Let's oh, not fuck rule me. it out because, you know, Jerry Jones is out of his damn mind. Yeah. And. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if he does reassign Jason Garrett, we have to ask ourselves, is it time to check Jerry Jones into a nursing home? Because Or a psych ward. How about that? Why not both? Because sure. clearly this guy has some kind of fetish, like you said, for Jason Garrett. Yeah. Uh, Jason Garrett, in reference to our last podcast, is a wet paper bag and does not deserve to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. However, I really don't think we can rule it out yet because there is that connection that Jerry Jones loves about him. And maybe they're not firing him yet just to let his contract expire gracefully, which would be the smart move, obviously. But there's not even talks about him not being signed back. It is just yeah. it has just been murky. It has been, quote, doubtful of him to leave, of him to resign. But doubtful is not definite by any meaning of the word. And I really think that there's a chance that Jason Garrett somehow is a coach of the Dallas Cowboys next season. Uh, last word on, uh, on Garrett. Uh, the team just gave up on him. Flat out. And if Jerry Jones can't see that from his uh, his little perch that he sits in an AT&T Stadium every Sunday and probably gets screamed at and yelled at by every unhappy, pissed-off Cowboys fan out there that Jason Garrett is not the guy and he hasn't been the guy for probably the last six or seven years, uh, then he really is absolutely delusional and fucking clueless. Uh, okay. So uh, – One more thing. Go ahead. Are we, we going to move on to Black Friday or – we are going to move on to Black Friday. Let me yes. say one more thing. Go ahead. Black Monday, boys. Black Monday. Black, Black Friday. Here, here look what you, look what you did. Look what you did. Let me just give a disclaimer real quick for all the listeners of this podcast. I say the wrong thing 
I'm probably gonna do about five times a podcast. You know what I'm trying to say, all right? Just, just you can hear it out. I'll, I'll get it done eventually. Yeah, don't spread your sickness over here, Chris. Yeah, I, I'm trying to try not to. Good. Okay. Uh, anyone who in, interviews Josh McDaniels is an idiot. He's not leaving. Hundred percent agree. You're an idiot if you interview him. If you do it just to say, look, we interviewed him. Fine, I get it. But if you think you're getting him, and if I hear he's linked to any teams, I just want to say he's not going there. You guys need to stop doing this. He's the next coach of the Patriots. You're being ridiculous. Bill Belichick's going to bring in Steve Belichick just to be his little ear in the, in the franchise. He's always going to have his say whether he leaves or not. And Josh McDaniels is staying with the Patriots. There's a reason he didn't go to that Colts job, which was a beautiful opportunity for him because he's going to be the next coach. And they have already told him that. I'm almost sure of it. There's no reason for him to ever leave there. Yep. So I just wanted to say that real quick. I agree. Because I heard the Giants are interviewing him. I think the Browns wanted to interview him. Classic. Obviously, those two teams want to do that. He is a great offensive coordinator, but stop it. Just stop interviewing. Him. No, it's not happening. It's not happening. He is. Uh, he's not leaving New England. You, you've made that point uh, very, very clear. Um, I was just checking. Uh, you're giving me a look of why the fuck am I on my phone? I was just checking Twitter to see if Jason Garrett has been fired yet. Like, oh. I've and been checking I, all all podcasts. Okay, good. I'm I'm on here. I'm looking at. I'm looking up names. No one's gotten fired. I'm Perfect. checking. The only the only thing that I've seen is Jason Garrett is having uh, not Jason Garrett. Sorry, uh, Jerry Jones is having a whole charade outside the Cowboys locker room, where he has been taking questions about Jason Garrett's future for the last forty five minutes. Has he really? Yes. That, that is, and, and that is the problem. Why and does Jerry Jones do that to himself? It's a fucking show. It's. It's true. I wonder what his goal is. He's yeah, already to entertain. Publicity. Well, he's already publicity. Won. Yes, publicity's good. Publicity. He's won yep. the Super Bowls, right? He's got. He's, uh, he's won them. Like, he's also fired coaches directly after winning Super Bowls. But, that too. All right, but that's confusing my point. Is Jerry Jones really in this for his own entertainment or to create a big mockery out of this or something like that? That's a fantastic question, and I do not have an answer for because you. Because sometimes it really doesn't make sense. And I really think that well, he might just be out here to be doing things just for the show of it, to get these buzz headlines and all that stuff, the interviews after games and well, stuff like this. if you haven't figured out the Dallas Cowboys definitely uh, march to the tune of their own drum and do things in a different way, uh, in relation to the 31 other teams in the National Football League. If you haven't realized that by now, then... Uh... Oh, I have. But okay, good. Is, it, is, is he doing it on purpose, though? Because that's Probably. the big question here. Probably. Is he doing it just to be make his own brand? I'm Jerry Jones. I do what I want. You can't tell me how to run my team. I'm going to have to coach again, even though he's clearly not the option because he listens to me. But what is his deal? Like, what? Are, why is he doing this? Like, I don't Because he's Jerry Jones. And there's an ego about him that says, I'm Jerry Jones, I can do whatever the hell I want because I'm the owner of the biggest team in the sport and possibly in the entire country. That team will never lose money. There's no, no reason for him to no. do anything crazy. Well, he feels like he has to. He feels like he has to just be completely out of his mind to go ahead and be Jerry Jones. So let's go to talk about the college football playoff. Yay. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, just a re- quick recap. Um, who did everyone pick for the Clemson-Ohio State game? I know I had Clemson. Oh, I know I had Clemson. I had Clemson. Uh, uh, who did you have, Ed? We'll get to that. Okay. Well, can you answer the question? Can you just answer the question? We'll get to it. Okay, fine. Okay. LSU, 63. Oklahoma, 28. Joe Burrow, 29-39. 493 yards passing. Seven touchdowns, including one rushing touchdown. 
Justin Jefferson, 14 catches, 227 yards, four touchdowns for him. Jalen Hurts, 15 of 31 for 217 yards, an interception, two rushing touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb, four receptions for 119 yards. Okay, great. The key points here for me. Joe Burrow is really, really, really good. Um, that he is. He I, really is. That's a hot take. I don't, know, I don't know if Joe Burrow is uh, going to be great day one in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. I don't know. Um, but I can tell you that the LSU defense spearheaded by Jim Thorpe Award winner, which is the best defensive back in the country, Grant Delpit, is really, really, really good. DBU. And – will need to be really, really, really great to beat Clemson. And uh, Coach O is incredible. Uh, go Tigers, beat Clemson by a million. I think Joe Burrow is going to be an NFL Hall of Fame. Oh! Not, I'm claiming oh! that. You're jinxing him! One. Don't jinx him! I'm claiming that one right now. I've never done this before. Don't jinx him! He's the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen. Oh, no. His completion percentage this year was 77.6%. That's the highest ever by a college quarterback. Brett, he's a nice man. He's a good kid. Don't jinx him. I'm going to back off from that. You you did this with Kyler. I I didn't claim Kyler was going to be a Hall of Fame No, no, no. You said Kyler was your your guy. You said Kyler was your guy. guy. He had a great season. He had a solid season. Oh, Oh, no. Joe, please be good. He dropped seven touchdowns in the first half. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, I love that they're trying to brand this college football playoff into some historical event. It's been going on for four years. Yes, I love Can that. Can we please stop referring to stats as a college football playoff record? Because I just don't care. Like, it's been going on for four years. Call it a, can we go by bowl game records? I think we can just agree that the semifinals are bowl games. I'm good with bowl game record. And I think yeah, that anything that. with that should be considered a bowl game record. Yep, because you're playing a team that's around your field. Stop talking about this college football playoff record stuff. I, I saw it like three times during the game. I just I, I laughed. No, it's great. I laughed every time. He throws his fourth touchdown of the game in like the first quarter, and it's like that's a college football playoff record right there. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you. He beat out Jameis Winston five <laughs> years ago. I just I'm tired. I'm tired of it. No, but I I will claim right now that I really believe Joe Burrow will be a Hall of Fame QB in the NFL. I hope I don't you're even right. think I jinxed them. I don't know. I why hope you, you're, I, I hope you're that, right. Is that a thing? Jinxing QBs before they get in the league? Yeah, no, absolutely not. I I've never heard jinxing, of that. One the whole jinxing thing is a hoax. I'm so tired of that. You can say what you uh, I've a heard. Take is a take. If you're gonna call a take a jinx, then every take is a jinx. No, I, I, I well, when I hear when I hear certain takes, they they come out to be. It's to called be a hot take. All right, that's what we're trying. Well, to I also heard, I also heard Sam Donald was gonna be a uh, Hall of Fame QB. You didn't hear that from me. No, 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 not from you. Not from you. Just in general. Between jinxing and being wrong, though. I, I, I don't like that. I think Joe Burrow being a Hall of Fame quarterback is a fair thing to say. Get, a fair thing to say. I, that's not saying I agree with it. I'm saying it's a fair thing to say. If someone's the most accurate passing quarterback in the entire history of college football, newsflash, that guy has a chance of being a really good NFL quarterback. Okay, he's got a chance. Like, I have a chance to go to the moon. All right, so why is that some kind of absurd thing to say? I just think he's getting too much pressure on him for a guy that hasn't even stepped on an NFL field I mean, that's yet. fair. No, I'm usually, oh, that's he's going to, going to the Bengals. He's going to the Bengals. Here we go. I don't think the Bengals situation is as bad as everybody thinks it is. It's not. I really don't. They have weapons there. Joe, Do they not? Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's a, you AJ, love Joe AJ Mixon. He's a good back. The only problem is, is AJ Green, Green going to come back? No. We don't know yet. No. They still have Tyler Boyd, solid receiver. Auden Tate had a good year. How's that offensive line? That's the one problem. They're getting Jonah Williams back, who Nick Saban claimed was the best player on that Alabama team. That's true. 
they have draft picks to use, build an offensive line around him. You look at, obviously, the LSU offensive line is the best in the college football. I'd say yep. they give that man literally eight seconds to throw, yeah. Yeah. ten seconds to throw sometimes. I mm-hmm. love college football offensive lines. I love it. It's they so they really dominate. It's so funny sometimes. When, when a team clearly battens down the hatches and says, we're going to go all the way on getting offensive linemen on this team, and you could tell that these guys look like they're 35 years old compared to some of the 19, 20-year-old men they're going up against. It's no, hilarious. If Cincinnati can keep him protected, I think there's a good chance right away he starts off as a good player, and I, I really think he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. His problem in Cincinnati won't be his weapons. It definitely won't be. That's the one problem with him, though, is he is a good athlete, but he is going to need people around him. Like you, He's not one of those players where like someone like Carson Wentz or like Deshaun Watson or like Mahomes or like they could have me and you out yeah, there at I'm, receiver and make plays. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Wow. Okay. So you're saying that the Cincinnati Bengals in 15 years are going to win a Super Bowl with Joe Burrow. Whoa. That, that's what you're insinuating. Well, you don't have to be a Hall of Fame QB and win a Super Bowl. Well, this is, this is true. So you're really saying he's, he's, going to either, he's going to either one of two things. One, he's going to win multiple Super Bowls or one Super Bowl with the Bengals or two – He's going to be Dan Marino level good. Uh, he also does not have to stay with the Bengals. There's this thing called a rookie contract. You do your time. Please, you spend, hey, he's you an Ohio kid. He's well, from Ohio. No. Oh, oh, you gotta take that God. into consideration. He's literally from that. Ohio. He's going is back he, to Cincinnati. Is he a Bengals fan or is he a Browns fan? I'm not sure. I wonder, because that's that's definitely huge. Here, keep talking. That is keep talking. I'll take a look. Huge. But, I mean, either way, I think Joe Burrow does have a good chance of coming out of there and being. All right. Good. Well, Ed looks this up. Uh, who won Ohio State or Clemson? Um, I don't remember. It was a team that was ranked you orange. Want to tell us? The orange team with the coach who's coached in the college football playoff before. Um, uh, has a quarterback who's won a college football championship. Um, uh, the better team? I f- what's their name? You uh, you want to get your points in before I take this over? Oh, Clemson. Clemson. Oh, you you want to get your points in before I take this over? Well, and sh- and shut you. this shit down? I'll say one for you. Oh, shut it down. Your team lost. Please, anyway, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway, skip Bayless. Go ahead. Uh, go one ahead. thing I like looking at Clemson's team, I know it's not. This isn't any kind of mark that they're going to beat LSU. But it was just interesting that um, Trevor Lawrence was a leading rusher. And uh, Etienne was a leading receiver. Etienne. Etienne. Get at it. Anyway, I think that's interesting. I think that your running back being a leading receiver, your quarterback being a leading rusher is an interesting game plan that we have not seen from them all season. So it's clear that they can just mix it up and do something else because um, it wasn't working with the uh, wide receivers. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is a guy. All right, I will admit that. 174 rushing yards. Takes a lot of courage to say that. Uh, well, I'm just saying that for you. All right. Oh, uh, gee. Justin Sport. Fields, however, is not a god, I don't think, because he went for one touchdown and two picks, and that's kind of limp. That's a limp performance. I mean, given all the hype behind him, I did not expect him to go for one and two. I think him throwing for 320 on one leg is pretty good. One and two. I think this him throwing on one leg is pretty good. Are you done? Uh, I mean, I can go. I'm sorry. Brett can go. Yeah, too. I'll take a. I'll go in here. Um, okay. Good. I just had to mention this was not as good as the 2006 Rose Bowl. It was a good game. No, it, it could have been. No. I really think it could have been. been. It, potential, it was near remote. It was near remotely close. Just wanted to plug and shout out the Rose Bowl. Was near remotely close. The referees took that away from us. Right. Continue. Continue. Keep telling how many Continue. times you can mention the Rose Bowl in this podcast. <laughs> I really think we we're can at get two. It. We can get We're into every two, episode. Right. As long as college football is going on, I'll try my best. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has not lost a college football game. He's twenty-five and out. Wow. He hasn't. He hasn't lost a game. I think since high school. I didn't even realize that. That is actually crazy. And you know what I like about him? It's, I mean, I guess it's something weird to like, but the fact that he doesn't, his stats aren't like inflated or like college football stats. Like he has like a good NFL type of game where he throws like 
50 to 60 percent. A Jimmy Garoppolo game. No picks. And he throws some touchdowns. And it's like, you know what? You look at that, and the guy's concise. He's not trying to air it out every play. Like, he does good things. And I like watching that. A 275-3 and three where he's throwing 55 to 60% completion percentage. It's a Jimmy Garoppolo game. Yeah. He went yeah. 18 for 33, 259, three total touchdowns. If he's Jimmy Garoppolo with a set of legs and a big body, I now, mean. Now, that surprised me uh, the other day. Well, that 60-yard rushing touchdown that he had. Where he was wow. moving. Yeah. He was moving. He like, was outrunning defensive backs and linebackers. I did not see that one coming. Uh, Trevor Lawrence fan, how can I help you? I just want to point out to the podcast that the second Trevor Lawrence stepped onto the football field for the Clemson Tigers, I said he would be that guy when he gets to the NFL. Will he be a Hall of Fame quarterback? And let's not sleep on the fact that he has the ability to win three college world championships. We are rooting for that. We are rooting for that more than anything. And I love Joe Burrow, and I don't think he needs a college world championship to be the best. But the fact that someone can win three is ridiculous. We are not rooting for that. All right, well, you know what, some of us are. Answer so. the question, Mr. Burtzel. So Back to Brett's question about will Trevor Lawrence be a Hall of Famer. I have no comment about a player's chances to get into Canton. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll shake your hand for that one. We'll stick on this side of the table. We'll stay hot over here. I don't have an opinion on him right now, but I would comment on it if I did. Yes. Okay, before Ed goes on his his rant here, I just want to ask a couple questions. Who will be better, Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow. Tim? Not close. I know, I'll put you on the spot here. That's so hard because... They're both going to be fantastic. I think they're both going to be really good. I want Trevor Lawrence to be better. I'm going to second that and say Trevor Lawrence. I think think when it's his time to enter the draft pool... Let me finish. He will be in a better situation to go to a better football team. Granted, no disrespect to the Bengals. The kid hasn't even been drafted yet. Yeah. Who knows? Phil Rivers can be retiring, and out of nowhere, Phil, the Chargers come up to the scene. Okay, oh, Trevor Joe Lawrence. Burrow goes to the Chargers. Oh, my God. I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence. Oh, Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Well, they could, they could, could. the Chargers could pick a quarterback in the first round this year. Yeah, I think the idea of Joe Burrow being a lock for Cincinnati isn't isn't really set in stone yet. I think we have no, a, lot of, a lot of opportunity for teams to move up. The Bengals have more than one problem. It isn't just quarterback. They are lacking other departments. I think the only thing that uh, changes the Cincinnati Bengals front office's mind is if Chase Young declares. And I also want to say, uh, I think this Ohio is, State from Ohio. You would take Ohio. Chase Young over Joe Burrow if you're the Bengals? No. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just making sure. Yeah. I, was, I was actually going to have a stroke. Now, I think we need to appreciate this is the golden era of quarterbacking right now. Yes. Yep. I think we need to appreciate that yep. a little more. And then I have one more question. Does analytics exist in college football? Oh, my God. Yes. How many fourth and, how many yes. fourth and twos, fourth and ones are we going to see them punting? punting the ball or you're, you're kicking field goals just because you're just, you just want they're to. Up by, they're up by one, and Ryan Day decides to kick an extra point instead of going for two to make it a three-point game with, in the fourth quarter. Does analytics exist? Are we gonna have? Are we gonna hold anybody accountable here? I mean, that, there is a reason, though. I, not to knock Ryan Day, he is a great coach, but there is a reason some coaches coach in college, some coaches coach in the NFL, some coaches have a step up on the recruiting aspect of it, and some have a step up on the football aspect of it. And maybe Ryan Day is a hell of a recruiter, and maybe lacks a little bit of the football knowledge required to make the decision to go for two to make it a three-point game instead of go for one. Like, uh, who are the coaches notorious for in the NFL? Like, like. Um, Mike Tomlin does that a lot. Mike Tomlin, that's what I'm thinking of. Stuff like that. Not that he's a bad coach, but stuff like that is just ridiculous. Like, you have to know the analytics. All right, Ed. What's yeah, what, what do you have for us? Okay. Get comfortable, boys. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. I'm getting comfortable. All right. 
I don't really give a shit about the stats. I don't really give a shit about the score. Um, all I know is Ohio State got fucking robbed. Uh, how Justin Ross took four steps, was then stripped by Jeff Okuda, picked up by Jordan Fowler, who took it back for a touchdown, which would have completely changed the complexion of the game. And those four steps, when the ball is in his hands and not moving an ounce, he's taking four steps and is not that something a football move is ridiculous, is absolutely ridiculous. We need proof of this. Here we go. Former NFL official Terry McCauley, who was on Sunday Night Football, quote, there is absolutely no way replay should have reversed the decision. Indisputable video evidence is not there. Close quote. You want more? Okay. Big Ten supervisor of officials, Bill Corallo, who, if you're wondering how the hell he has credentials, he has 30 years of college and professional officiating to his resume. And he's also working for the Big Ten. Yes, who also contributes to CBS Sports. Quote, the strip, fumble recovery, and subsequent touchdown should have stood. You need more than that from someone outside the Big Ten. Okay. National officiating supervisor Rogers Redding also agreed that the call should not have been overturned. So, Justin Ross takes four steps. The ball is not moving. He's being draped by a defender, and that's deemed to be not a football move? I... Well, first of all, I just want to say that every time your favorite teams lose... This has nothing nothing to do with it. This is all with going with the NCAA rulebook. Let me finish, though. Let me finish, though. Okay, go ahead. If every time your favorite teams lose, we get into the referees, don't you think there's something to look at there? Like, maybe it's not just the referees. This has nothing to do with it at all. This is is something to do with being right and being wrong. Maybe The referees screwed Ohio State. Simple. but, But referees screw teams either way all the time. And, like... At some point, we have to understand that referees are human, all right? There's something going on. This is a great transition to our next segment, by the way. Oh, oh I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready. I'm going to have the same things I'm to say. Hot. I honestly have to have the same things to say there. Referees oh, I can't are wait. human. And at some point, we have to realize that a team gets screwed and a team gets favored in some decisions in most games. It's just how it is. These guys are humans. To think that every time a referee makes a poor decision, that the entire – fan base who gets screwed has a right to claim that they should have won the game when they could have easily gone the other way and they could have won the game off of the same kind of thing and they would have been all over the win and not even thought about how it affected their team. And I'm just tired of hearing people complain about referees. I really have. Like, it's ridiculous. Can I, can I, can I please? Well, you let me finish, so I'll let you finish. Okay, Let's go. great. It's not about the referees that I am talking about. If they made a call that was wrong, then fine, they made a shit call. But this is everything to do with replay. How they are able to call this, they called this a touchdown and say, oh, it wasn't a touchdown. What? What is the evidence? Where is the evidence that says that that is not a football move? There's nothing. He has the ball in his hands, takes four steps, is stripped, and Ohio State takes it back for a touchdown. They call it a touchdown on the field. Where is the evidence to overturn it? It's not there. I'm not disagreeing with it's you. It's not there. No, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you that they it, got the play call wrong. They might it's have, just the right? fact that the fans, fans like you, come out and say that they get robbed. It's a and that's crock of shit. Say. There was still a whole other half of football to play. It's a crock of shit. And it was the third quarter. One play does not determine the fate yes, for a whole game. I don't give a shit. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It changed the entire momentum of the game. 
Ohio State needed a big play, and they didn't get it. So what happens now, Clemson goes on to play for a national championship. Ohio State is going home. And to say well, Ohio, how did you're gonna say Ohio State got robbed when they yep. had a chance to win the game with two minutes to go? Yep. And they throw an interception yep. in the red zone. You're yep. still gonna say they got robbed? Yep. Mis- officials make mistakes all the time. Yeah, they got robbed. They got robbed. These mistakes happen every game. They got completely robbed. You're just gonna keep saying that they got robbed? Yeah. Because they got the call wrong. What do you want me to do? Yes, and. Plenty of calls have been wrong before. Okay. What do you want me to say? Oh, Clemson played a wonderful game. Congratulations. They simply outplayed them. 100%. They never would have been in, they never would have been in that spot if Ohio State if Ohio State got the touchdown. No, because they would. I give the referee discussion a, a glimmer of an argument in one situation, and that is the last play of the game. If the last play of the game is the deciding factor, the referees blew it, and there's no time to correct it, fine. But when there's a, a decent amount of time left to play in the game, and you can't recover from that, just the same way a team could have had that call against them and could have recovered against you, like teams have done in the past, teams have overcome referee blunders and have still won games. There's no reason to say that with time left in the game and your team not being able to overcome a hill that the referees built for them, that does not mean that the referees are just automatically like demons and that we need to get rid of them. Or they should have had a lead. They should have had a lead. They had they a 16-0 nothing lead when that happened. And they should have had a 23-21 to 21 lead. They could have kept the lead. Why, they they, kept why couldn't they hold the lead? Because the defense was getting outplayed by Trevor Lawrence. And guess what? The refer- the referees came in and saved the day for Clemson. So congratulations to the Clemson Tigers. Your team had three red zone trips. You produced nine points. Congratulations, you to, the Cle- to, congratulations to the Clemson Tigers. Three red zone possessions, nine points. This is a typical case of the game. NFC Championship game last year when the Saints fans to this day still talk about how Miko Kobe Robin screwed them. You Look, played for overtime. You got the ball first, though. Bad call. Fine. Like, like I'll admit that these, there are bad calls by referees, but stop. Just stop talking about it and realize that the referees are human and that we need to move on from these situations just like you would if your team benefited from it. It's just such an old argument. Bad calls I'll, 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 I'll remember time. this if the Chiefs get screwed over by the press. Bad okay. calls happen all the time, man. Let's talk about VAR. Let's talk about VAR, Video Assistant Referee. Whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, in case you don't know what VAR is, uh, it reviews decisions made in soccer made by the head official during the matches. In the Premier League, it has been in usage for almost five months, and already it has become a hot talking point for pundits, coaches, and supporters alike. So let's just take a survey in the room for those that, that follow this sport. Raise your hand if you are in favor of VAR. Well, I think we should give our announcement. I am uh, in I, favor of VAR. I am in favor of VAR. I am not. I am. Three to one. This should be fun, Ed. What do you have for us today? Because I know you have some kind of manifesto. All right, here we go. Someone's a little butthurt from his other team getting screwed. Just to be clear, I don't know how, how you're going to. Arsenal did I don't know get how you're into a situation that. this weekend where a uh, foul wasn't called on a player who already had a yellow card. This foul would have taken. Has, that, has nothing to do with Arsenal. I haven't put Arsenal. No, it 100% oh, no, has to do with no, Arsenal. I, I, finish, I, have not put, I have not put Arsenal in here at all. All right. Finish what you're well, going to say. You're not going to hear me talk about Arsenal in the anyway, next 15 there, minutes. There was a soccer game this weekend played by two teams who both play in London, and one of these teams had a player who had a yellow card. The opposing team was fouled by said player, and the referees decided to not call another yellow card on him, which would have given him a red card and taken him out of the game. So Ed, unrelated to this, will now take us into his discussion about VAR. Uh, I would have saved you all that. I'm not talking about that at all. 
I think that needs it to be mentioned. I think it needs to be mentioned because no, because there's nothing to do with it. We right, wouldn't be fine. talking about sure. this if it wasn't for that yeah, game. Yeah, no, not weekend. at all. That is for sure. <laughs> not most, at all. But but we did call VAR quote the most controversial topic of the weekend for other reasons, I guess, other than that one instance in a game that you were watching very closely. No, nothing to do with it. Let's see right, what you say. Nothing to do with it at all. VAR is taking the human error element completely out of the game by micro. Hold on, hold on, hold on. By micromanaging every decision made by line, linesmen and the referees alike. For example, if a hangnail is deemed to be in an offside position, it will be judged offside. That's, that's not true. False. That's not true. That the hand false. doesn't count. It's only parts of your body that can score. A shoulder counts. Oh, oh, we'll get to that. Why the FA and VAR, in general, feel the need to go to such great lengths to judge what is and isn't a foul, what is and isn't offside, is ridiculous. No longer are offside calls and fouls, well, offside calls first, judged by centimeters, millimeters. It's decided by fucking pixels. That's how we're making these calls. It is a complete joke. Now... Let's go into some examples from this past weekend. And these are all incidents that happened over the weekend. So I don't want to hear the shit that it's talking about Arsenal because it, I'm not. Liverpool versus Wolves. Here we go. Pedro Neto thought he had a crucial equalizer versus Liverpool when his toe, his toe, was judged to have been offside. Can you score with your toe? His can you, toe. Can you score with your toe? A call that... The you, naked. Answer the question. Answer the question. Can you score with your toe? Yes. And what's a the call of offsides? If a body part that can score the ball is ahead of the defender, you are in an offsides position. Can I finish? Can I finish? You sure. can finish, but let me interject because if you're going to say things and not let us tackle these points that are ridiculous, I mean, I don't know what you want me to do. Well, I have more than I would like to say. So, go, what else do you have? It is a call that the naked eye would never have been able to see. Plain and simple. That's plain, true. And, plain and simple. Yeah. Before this. Before this incident, however, we had another incident where Liverpool center back Virgil van Dijk may have had a handball leading up to Sadio Mane's opener for Liverpool. But instead of VAR looking at a potential handball, which Wolves wanted VAR to take a look at, they decided to go and look for a possible offside instead. Which no one was. Which nobody was. Right. They're looking at the wrong thing. They should be looking for no, a handball. Wait, they were looking at Lalana's. Shoulder hitting the ball, not potential offside. They were looking at offside. That's what the, that's what the header said. They're looking at potential offside. No, what they were looking at, was they're the, looking the at both because was, they called it no yeah, goal the, to start. The ball was, it was a no goal because the ball came over the top, yes. and they immediately assumed a handball on Lalana. Yes. Then they realized that the ball was off of his shoulder, and then to and fully then, look at the play, yes. as VAR should, if it's going to be there, assess the entirety of the play. If it only looked at one part of it, that would be ridiculous. They also decided to check if Sadio Mane was on sides, and he was. Therefore, the goal stood. Yes, and what I'm saying is that Virgil van Dijk, they should have looked at him for a potential handball, and they did not. The handball they were looking at from the beginning was the shoulder. They're looking at, they have to look at van Dijk's too. I'm, sa- I'm not saying they looked at van Dijk's, I'm saying they should have. Next, Crystal Palace versus Southampton. Wilfred Zaha thought he had scored, but his arm was judged to be offside, which cannot be used to score a goal anyway, and wasn't even part of the play. VAR then said, okay, if his shoulder was offside, then his foot must have been offside. So they judged it to be offside, thus disallowing the goal. Next, Manchester City versus Sheffield United. Lee Smooth set scored would have given Sheffield United a 1-0 lead against the champions, 
but his foot was judged offsides by a matter of millimeters, something that the human eye would not have been able to detect. So, the bottom line that I'm saying is every fan should despise VAR, well, maybe if you're not a Liverpool fan, given how it looks to micromanage every single thing that there is and every decision that there is while overlooking clear and obvious errors that should be reviewed. The things that VAR, that fans wanted them to look at, they're not looking at, and the things that fans were okay with saying, okay, we'll we'll let this go, they are bringing this down to the tiniest sliver of judging what is and isn't, and they are not taking referees' discretion in anything at all, and it's ru- it's it's ruining the game. Okay. It's ruining the game flat okay. out. So first of all, which world would you rather exist in as a soccer fan? A world where there's a chance that your player is clearly on sides, and a ball is scored in a critical moment, and the ref throws his flag up, and then you guys have no opportunity to counter that, and all of a sudden this goal is taken away and. Maybe your team even loses the Premier League title race because of VAR not existing. Or would you rather live in a world where there's a VAR that's presented to enforce the rules exactly as they are written in order to preserve the integrity of the game and help someone be called offsides even if it is a toe? Which, first of all, there's a possibility they could just rewrite the rule instead of just eliminating VAR because this clearly works. It's good at finding what it's looking for. Clearly it works. It's debatable. I mean, there's... there's, And let's just talk about this idea that Liverpool is helped by VAR. All right? Liverpool has had two... They're plus two in VAR decisions this season. And that is in terms of decisions that have gone their way by reversal. Plus two this season. All right? Arsenal is only minus one. Why do we need to bring Arsenal into it? I'm just bringing up teams that are into this because I thought you were going to bring this as an Arsenal discussion. But no. You're not, in quotes. These no. are big air quotes going here. Um, also, just to prove my point that VAR does not affect your position in the standings or have an, an, an immediate impact on results. All right? Wolves and Sheffield United are both, listen, are both minus six in VAR decisions this season. That is calls that were taken away from them or goals that were taken away from them, right? Brighton... And Southampton are both plus five and plus four. All right? If this matters so much, why is a team that's minus six, two of them are ahead of teams that are plus five and plus four? How much could it really affect it when these goals that are not supposed to count or are supposed to count are rewarded or taken away? You may have sold me on the argument before you said it doesn't affect matches. That's, no, when, that's when you lost me. I'm, I mean, in terms of standings and stuff like that, the whole idea that VAR is only what Liverpool and wants and stuff like that. Well, obvi- obvious, obviously it's not, but you have Sheffield United who scored a goal, which to everyone in the stadium thinks they're on side, they scored, and you have the judge by a millimeter to be judged offside and it takes a goal away. But that, like, are you kidding me? That's, just something, that, yeah, that's, that's just, just something that you're going to have to accept as a fan. Well, we have the technology to prove, like, you can't just look at a play and see, oh, his foot is offside. We're not going to rule it that. You can't just – you can't have like – Okay, so we need, so then we need to train linesmen where they can figure out that a foot is offside by a millimeter. That's how we'll be able to fix it. No one's asking to do that. No. For the obvious place, say the VAR, just have a lineman throw it up when you clearly see a guy is offside. And the idea right now is that these linesmen are trained to eat the flags and only throw up a flag – As they should. Blatant. And it's still able to be reviewed then if it needs to be. But that's not important when you have these guys 
who are looking at these microscopic plays, and those are the ones that need to be reviewed. Those VAR is madness. It's, it's madness. Look, it is madness. It creates a lot of chaos. It creates a like lot that. of talk. But there's the fans who think that it's wrong to exist when there's a possibility that... It Fan, fans and coaches alike. Fans and coaches it, alike. I, obviously, a coach is going to come out and... If you're a coach and your team loses via VAR... Uh, no, it wasn't even the coach that lost. Pep Guardiola said it. And they won. Pep Guardiola's been wronged by VAR in the past before, but... Well, it's, he, it's been correct decisions. He but, said he said it against Sheffield. He said he said, and I quote, Sheffield United should have had a goal. Because what does all of Man City's fans say? VAR screws us, VAR screws us. Pep Guardiola is the patron saint of hating VAR. It's like his job now. Like I, I don't blame up. him. No one cares about your opinion on VAR. Like just coach your team and understand that these these VAR calls are almost every time exactly how the rule states. And again, there is coach, there is referee error, all right, which you can't wrap your head around, but it exists. Referee error is a thing that we have to get used to. They're humans. I think we need to stop talking about all this kind of stuff. If you want VAR, you got it. This is what it is. Good luck with that. All right, time for a game? Let's get this game going. What's going on here? Good, I'm switching team. Jared, where'd you go? Sure. Can't wait. Alrighty, gents. So here's the premise of the producer's production game. All right, laptops closed. Laptops closed to avoid cheating, gents. So folding my notes upside down. I'm on the notebook paper. To all of our listeners at home, if you want to grab a pen and paper and write down your answers, or go on your notes app in your phone, very interactive. Feel free. We're an interactive podcast. Alrighty. So here's the premise of the game. I have three categories with ten answers each. So. You're going to have to guess. So let's just start this off real quick. Category one, can you name me the touchdown leaders each year in this decade? Here's the premise of it, though. If you get the name right, it's plus one. If you get the amount of touchdowns also right, it's another point. Hell, if someone gets the amount of touchdowns right, I'd be shocked. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. No, just give me, a, ready for this. give me a player, and then I'll say if he's on my list or not. Oh, so listing players? I'm just sit this out. So, so, so I can start? Who would like to go first? Would you like to defer or would you like to... I'll take it. Alrighty. I'll take it. Uh, Rob Gronkowski. Okay. He is on my list. Would you like to guess how many touchdowns he has? Uh, for the decade? No, f- for, for that, that year. year. Yes. For that year? Uh, 13. You're wrong. He 17. S- there we go. Wasn't your turn though, so... Oh, what? what? I can't wait, 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 wait. Oh. I'm not getting this. Yeah, wait, yeah. Hold you on. Gotta, <laughs> I'm ready so to jump what? out the... F- Okay, you want to do it that way? Fine. Is it receiving touchdown leaders by is receiving leaders by year? Who had the most touchdowns in each year in this decade? All right, yeah, but so you were going to say the answer there, and I was going to be able to steal it, though. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Be able to yep. steal. Okay. You got to be yep. able to steal if they get it wrong. We'll play. We'll play stealing here. So it's so. 2010 yeah. or 2011. 2011. All right. All right. So we're up. All right. Yep. We're up. Brett's right. going. Um, I'll go. Um, Devonte Adams. Nope. He didn't tie anybody. To not tie anyone. His quarterbacks too. Nope. No receivers. Are we still receivers? Oh, we're receivers. Receivers. No, so now we lose our turn. Like yeah. they're up now. Uh, Jared. 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 Antonio Brown. Yep. Oh, 2018. You know, once I guess how many touchdowns he had. Um, I'm gonna go 16. Oof. No, we did not. Mr. Brady, you're up. Um, we can both. He has to answer himself. Yeah. 17. 15. Alrighty, floor is you guys. So you can guess any year. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. You said okay. your name. Okay, okay. All right. All right. Should I just say a name? Go for it. Jordy Nelson. Yes. Um, I can give you the year. I'll give you the year. Twenty sixteen. Okay. 
And how many t- since you guys got the you guys can have your guess? How many touchdowns? Fourteen. Oh, we got our first bonus of the day. You guys still have the floor. You got your oh, got your okay. whole question right. Um Oh I have one. Demarius Thomas. Nope. I got one. Can I say it? Go ahead. Randy Moss. For this de- <laughs> Oh That's God. minus one. I'm make, I make the rules here. Uh, you what? Idiot. Alrighty. Um, let me think. Sleep on the Viking. God. DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, yes. 2017. Want to take against how many touchdowns? 17. Mm, too high. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that as the answer. I'm sorry. I heard a number. Ed? 15. 13. Can I give, can I give mine? I yep. That I know is if he's not on there, I'll be shocked. Jimmy Graham. Yes. 2013. Same Jimmy Graham, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it had to be. Uh, my guess is 12. Nope, 16. Ooh. Oh, we didn't get the steal. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say 16. Well, you guys are up. Oh, I have one. I have one. Oh, Des Bryant. Yes, 2014. 2014, 2014 16. Wow, we got another plus two. <laughs> the floor is yours. <laughs> Good call, change your part. Little, um, little disclaimer real quick. 2015 has a co-leaders. Two? Okay. Yes. 2015... Randy Moss. <laughs> it happens. Oh wait, is this me? I have a. It doesn't matter. I think we're on the teams. I don't want to say because mm, I don't think he let it. I don't think he let it one year. All right, uh, Julio Jones, twenty fifteen. Oh well, Julio Jones was not twenty fifteen. Oh no, that's the other Jones. No, wasn't on this list at all. We got a hint. Yeah, we got a hint. I'm trying to think of them. Well, the floor is the other team. <sighs> I have an idea. He's from this decade. Travis Kelsey? Nope. What are the years we've gotten so far? You've gotten 2011, 2013, 2014, 2016, 2017, and 2018. You need 2019, 2015, 2012. Wait, 2019 is in this year? Yes. Oh, Michael Thomas? No. Wait, what? No. 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 2019. He was a GOAT, but he wasn't a touchdown leader. That's different, I'm sure. Not the league in touchdowns this year. Well, the floor is to Ed and Jared, so I'm going to need an answer. In five seconds. League and touchdowns. Tyreek Hill. No. Yeah, I know. Right. Don't say it yet. Going through the teams. Well, let's make this real quick. All right, let's just give an answer. Yeah, screw it. Uh, Chris Godwin. Nope. Ooh. Jared? Lincoln. Player from this decade. I might I might have one. I don't I don't know if it's right. What do you got? I don't know if it's right. AJ Green. Nope. Oh, that was a good one, though. Keenan Allen. Nope. Uh, ooh, I have one. Who? Antonio Gates. No. What? <sighs> All right, we, nobody no said him yet. I'm way. surprised. Calvin Johnson. No. Antonio Gates. Is Juju. No. What the fuck? Ooh, ooh, Brandon Marshall. Got oh. one. Wait, don't say the year. Actually, what if I guess wrong on the year? It doesn't matter. I'm going to give you the year regardless. I've been doing it. 2015? Yes, sir. It's one of the co-leaders. Do you want to guess how many touchdowns? Eric Decker's teammate was the other co-leader? No. no. The same amount? Uh, no. You want to guess how many touchdowns did he have? Um, 15. You guys have a chance to steal. 14. Yep. Damn. So you guys got one of the leaders in 2015. Do we, we have a score, please? So we have, for Ed and Jared, 1, 2, 3, 4, 2, 1, that. 3, 4, 6, 7. 7 to 4. 7 to 4. Okay. Um, so how many do we have? So you need 2019. Oh, I have one. I would like James Jones, please. I, I was thinking that. Okay, uh, yep. In 2012, yeah. how many touchdowns did he have? Uh, 13. No. Oh, I fucked this up. I put, I put, <laughs> no. Oh. 
So it no. gave it gave his jersey number, and I wrote his jersey number instead oh. of the eighty nine. That'd be something. He had eighty nine touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, because according to my records, he had twenty eight. RIP receiver number eighty touchdowns. Yeah. I'm sorry, number eighty jersey numbers. Oh, I'm looking up right now. Wait, wait, he had Whoa! For James Jones, for what year? Uh, twenty twelve. I'm gonna go with sixteen. Fourteen. Okay. Fourteen. Okay, Very so well. all you need is twenty ten, the other co leader for twenty fifteen, and then twenty nineteen. How do we not know twenty nineteen? That's ridiculous. I know. Um, it's gotta be some random guy this year. DJ Shark? Nope. Come on, let's get these answers going. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Bow. Yep, twenty ten. Oh, Dwayne uh, Bow. What are you doing on that phone? Yeah, scoot over here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Dwayne Bow. I don't know. You can look at my history. Go ahead. You okay. may not like what you say, but go no, ahead. Cover that paper up, bird. Um. How many touchdowns? Uh, fifteen. Wow, I'm good. Yeah, I don't believe your honesty, though. <laughs> we'll give it to him. Phone yeah. game. We'll give it to him. We'll phone game. All right. Uh, so all you need is, is, is fifteen, right? Well, you don't yes. guess right now. We got fifteen's oh, right. Wow. Oh, okay. Good guess. All right. So you, all you need is yeah. twenty nineteen. The co-leader for twenty fifteen. I'm gonna give each of you two strikes, and then we're gonna move on to the next category. Later, I'm still right. We're up. Oh, we're, st- we're still up. We're still up, yeah, because you got the touchdowns. Today. 2019 and the co-leader for 2015, just to throw it out one more time. And this is receiving, Receiving correct? touchdowns. Okay. <laughs> um, Kenny Galladay? Yes. Ooh. With how many? Really? Good guess. You tell me, Tim. How many? So, uh, Eleven? Wow, we got plus two now. And I guarantee you, Let's go. bonus, bonus, ten of those were in the second half. Wow. So that already. 2015. 2015. The, the other. The co-leader for 2015. We're back up. This We're is back it. up again. 2015. You guys already had Brandon Marshall. Uh, I will give you one hint to speed can this I, up. I, I, okay, go, um, go wait, ahead. Well, you it's our guess, right? Yeah. Because you're going to give them the hint. hint. Okay, them go ahead. You're giving them the hint, though. Currently is still on the NFL roster. Okay, I would have been wrong. Okay, yeah, I would have <laughs> been wrong, too. Okay, that, that helps. I was, was going to say Doug Baldwin's roster. Uh, I'm, Do you ask him more for hints? Yeah. Well, I didn't know. That's enough. Clarifying what he's saying. All right, go away. Still on an NFL roster. Yo, put your computer in front because all your answers in the back. Is he on the Dallas Cowboys? Hmm? You, have another, you have another thing in the back. No more hints. You mean? No, I have a guess. No, these aren't the answers. Oh, this is my cool, shield. Cool, cool, cool. Can, I, can I have a guess? Yeah. Randall Cobb. No. Ah, rats. 2015. So uh, strike one. Let's I see. have a bold one. Go for it. Go for it. I got nothing. 2015 was Cam Newton's MVP season. I'm going to go with Ted Ginn. <gasps> strike one. Damn. Chad? Hmm. He's currently on an NFL roster. Oh, then where did he come from? He didn't play that Currently <laughs> on a roster. I'm thinking. Wait a minute. No, you don't have an answer. You're out. Oh! Nah, I think I know it. I have another bold one. I think I know it. Maybe. I need an answer. I don't know. Adele? No. Adele? Oh, Adele. I heard Adele. You're wrong. That's cute. Tim? 2015 star NFL roster. Um, you sure you don't want this? Yeah, I yeah, I know yeah. who it is. Well, you're out. It's only fair. I mean... Fair enough. Um, Emmanuel Sanders. No. Can I, ta- can I have my two guesses? That won't count? Yes. Sure. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey. No. Larry Fitzgerald. No. Mine was going to be Michael Crabtree, but I don't think he's on a team. Anymore. So, the missing wide receiver with 14 touchdowns in 2015 season, Allen Robinson. 
Oh shit! Oh, I was gonna say him too. Fourteen. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Jacksonville. Oh shit! Alrighty. I was thinking about this weird duo, and that's what it was. The Allen brothers. The Allen man. brothers. Yeah. Yep. That's, oh shit! So, gentlemen, that was a fun first category. Going into category two, we have Jared and Ed leading the way with nine. Damn. To, Jack, to Brett and Tim trailing oh, yeah, with seven. Cover that stack, babe. Category two. So. Cover that damn paper. Yeah, cover that we damn can't paper. see that shit. You got the Hulk over next to you. Oh, please. You know, I'm a challenge. So. You can put it down on the table. No, I'm getting Blaming cool. the I, refs? They're I, blaming the refs. They're blaming the refs. There you go. So. VAR. <laughs> category two. You're going to have to give me the year. And the player. Oh, shit. Who won the Super Bowl MVP. Oh, God. Okay. Well, we should go first. Oh, well, we're you guys going first? Um, wait, Super Bowl MVP? Yes. We have to give you the year, too? Yep. Cam Newton, 2015. Nope. Super Bowl MVP, 2015, Von Miller. Nope. What? Uh, no. Wait, what? 20... Oh, well... All right, we're going by the actual year, the year of the season, because 2015 was the Ken Noon MVP season, and they won this, and the Broncos won the Super Bowl that year. But they won it in 2016, the year. We're going by the year it was played in. Okay. Oh, this okay. Co- okay. this this round is fucked. That was fine. It's just, part of the just game. Just a year. Stop blaming yeah, the refs. Gotta- uh, Malcolm Smith, 2013. Hey, no. Why are they? We just got it right. Oh yeah, we're going. Yeah. All right, maybe next time we gotta yeah. establish the game before. Yeah, we should establish the game before we do this. Well, I left him in charge of it. I was thinking we we're gonna play Family Feud. Are we up? Yeah. Malcolm Smith, twenty fourteen. Okay. Um, just gonna pull through this round. I got nothing. I have very little. Uh, Tom Brady, twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, shouldn't it go mm, back and forth now? Because you don't get double points for guessing the year. So you get it right though. You have been going twice. If you get it right every time. Joe Flacco, twenty thirteen. Eli Manning, twenty twelve. I'm just sitting back. Aaron Rodgers, two thousand eleven. Uh, Nick Foles, twenty eighteen. Wait, wait, wait. I'm about to have some Tim now. Julian, oh, okay. <laughs> Julian Edelman, twenty sixteen. No. No. <laughs> Julian Edelman, twenty seventeen. No. Julian Edelman, twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> are we missing one more? There's one I more. Have nothing. There's two nothing. more. The rules were established when I was there, Terry. What rules? The year after, or the year was played in. It wasn't established at all, and then he gave the right answer. But Tom Brady, 2015. Yep. Oh, so you guys knew from the beginning that the format was you had to say the year of the Super Bowl and not the year of the season. Give me a break. Shut up. Am I allowed to know the year that we're missing? I'll do that. No, and that would make no. sense. That's part of the game. What? So what year is we missing? No. There's to, uh, one more year. Drew Brees, 2010. Yes. Well, that was Brett's category. So, alrighty, On to category three. All you're giving me is the name. Oh, thank God. We have a shot. The top 10 grossing athletes of the decade. Oh, God. oh. well. Are we going in order? What's the definition of grossing? Who has made the most money in this Who decade? Goes first? We're gonna, for this, we're going to go back to back to make it more fair. Okay. Okay. Who goes first? I'll give the four to you. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yep. Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, that was mine. Yep. Lionel Messi. Mm-hmm. He's three. Uh, Manny Pacquiao. Yep. At number eight, four hundred thirty-five million. Michael Jordan. Come on. <laughs> what? No. That, that play you just said, athlete of the decade. Yeah, he made he a lot of money. He's he's made a lot of money. A current athlete. You didn't say current though. Oh, I said an athlete. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, Tiger Woods. A lot of money this decade. Yep. Tiger Woods. Six hundred fifty million. Yeah. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Connor McGregor. McGregor. No, actually. No. Oh. Oh um, uh, shit. Well, this is over. They already won, so it doesn't matter. Serena Williams. No. 
Uh, Roger Federer. Yep. Six hundred forty million. What numbers are we missing? Four. Oh, LeBron James. Seven. Yep. LeBron was four. Six hundred eighty mil. We're missing seven, nine, and ten. Nadal. Nope. Name another goal. Uh, name another golfer. Golfer. Um, big one. Phil Mickelson. Yes, number seven. Four hundred eighty million. Big Phil. Love to hear that. Old lefty. Over We're there. missing nine and ten. Dwayne Wade. No. I will give plus one if someone will guess the tenth. Right. This is a bonus. I don't Dude, think I, any I, of you will I get this. I know who it is, but I, like, I've looked at this list before. I feel like it's a race car driver. Ooh, race car driver? Can Maybe I guess? It's like a You're up. Guy. Uh, Louis, Louis Hamilton? Plus two. 400 million. Arsenal fan. Louis Hamilton up the Arsenal. <laughs> All right. You're missing. Is he a race car driver? Yeah. Okay. Okay. One. No, I, I knew that. Missing one more. Driver. Missing one more. For that one. Um, Neymar. Nope. I have a guess. Yeah. Well, you're up. Oh, we're up. Okay. Uh, Derek Jeter. No. Nope. Oh. Jordan Spieth. No. Mike Trout. No. Out of turn. Jared. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Our guest. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Well, think Carter. You're on the clock. Joe Montana is not the answer. Yeah. Didn't make enough money. Sonny Jurgensen is another. <laughs> Could have been Anthony Sprano, but he did not have the makings of a varsity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have one. Why is he not allowed? to I say have it? one. Say it then. Kobe. No. I honestly don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, well, what's the score? What's the yeah, score? We already won. Two, yeah. three, four. I don't want to get this because it's pissing me off. I, I know this list. Like, I think it's mad 13 to... Yeah, you guys. Two guys. Out Tim and uh, Michael Phelps? No. Tony Hawk? Well, I want a point. It was Kevin <laughs> It was Kevin Durant. Plus one to me. Oh, oh really? really? Tony Hawk. Well, that was a fun game. That did not go as I had planned. Uh, okay. You want to send us off, Ed? Please. Yeah, please. I need to go to bed. Okay. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Basement Talk. Uh, we will be back later in the week for episode three. Where we'll be talking about the NFC playoff picture and a whole slew of other topics. For my co-hosts, Brett Mayer, Tim Brady, our guest, Jared Faggione, our producer, Matt Burtzel. I'm Ed Burtzel, and we will see you later. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Stay safe. Happy New Year.